I need to bring us together. Welcome to the Batman Universe Specials. Today, I have with me a couple of our uh, reviewers, comic reviewers and writers over on the website. Uh, let me introduce them before we get into what we're actually going to be covering here. So first up, we have David. Hello, everybody. How are you? Hi, Dustin. Hi, Paul. And we have Paul. Hey, guys. How's it going? All right. And uh, today, we are here to actually talk about Justice League, and this is kind of our reaction episode uh, to, to talk about Justice League, the the likes, dislikes, we're going to be ranking it um, amongst the other DCU e- DC films. I'll just put it DC films um, <laughs> because they're because they're they said that the DCEU is not an official term, so we'll just call it DC films. We're going to compare it to other DC films um, since 2013 forward. Uh, we're going to be talking about Easter eggs, the characterizations, pros and cons, all kinds of stuff, and then we're going to get into some of the controversy amongst uh, that that's kind of out there between. Um, the Joss Whedon supporters and the Zack Snyder supporters and things like that. And what we believe this film turned out to be compared to what it could have ended up being if things didn't change the way they did. So uh, before we get into it, I mean, the first thing we really want to dive into is whether or not we liked or disliked the film. So um, we all obviously saw the film. Obviously we wouldn't be here if we didn't see the film. Um, But if, (laughs) but based off of your viewing of the film, um, whether or not you liked or disliked, obviously uh, there's no question that you probably had some issues or you liked some things, depending on whether you liked it or disliked. But let's start with David. Whether Did you like it or did you dislike it? Uh, Dustin, yeah, I definitely liked the movie. Um, I have some criticisms of it that are quite sort of wide-ranging. But, yes, I had a lot of fun with the movie itself. All right, Paul, what did you think? I liked it. I liked it a lot. I mean, uh, I definitely have some things that I wish they had done differently, and I do have my issues with it. But I smiled the whole time during the movie. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'll, I, I personally also enjoyed it. I went in. I, I will be completely honest here. I went in with very low expectations, specifically because you know, running the site itself, that you come across so many headlines all over the place. Uh, I tried to stay away from as much spoiler stuff as I possibly could, and for the most part. I wasn't actually spoiled too much on the vast majority of things that could have been spoiled for the film. Um, But it's very difficult to go in with a completely clear mind when you see nothing but headlines all day and you edit stories that have to get posted on the site talking about the issues that are happening with the films and things like that. So I went in with very, very, I wouldn't say extremely low expectations, but I did not have high expectations. Let's just put it that way. And I also went in very worried about what the end product actually was uh, based off of the news that it was going to be, you know, just under two hours long. I was kind of concerned about that because as we know, there's been plenty of movies in the past. Batman vs Superman by itself was a two and a half hour movie that they cut 30 minutes out when they released the ultimate edition that had, that was over three hours long. And that movie had a bunch of problems with the plot based off of what they decided to cut out. And even when they plugged back some of that stuff, there were still some issues that were presented that still couldn't be explained within the three hours. So I was very concerned about the runtime, especially with introducing basically Aquaman, Cyborg, and Flash. That was a concern that I had. Um, and I went in knowing the Rotten Tomatoes score was sitting right around like 43% when I went and saw it on Thursday oh. night. And I was very, very concerned about 
what I was going to get. And I left the movie actually quite happy. I was, I was pleasantly surprised by what the end product was. I mean, I had also had issues and I had concerns with some of the ways, some of the things that happened, but I think the plot was very straightforward. Even in some case, in, in actually in my opinion, it was probably a little too straightforward, but I think that in general, the movie was an enjoyable film. Um, my son and my wife, who my my son loves DC stuff. He loved it. My wife, who you know, she'll see the films. She loved One Woman. She hated Batman vs Superman and Suicide Squad. She left saying it was a very enjoyable movie. So I left very happy with what we got, even if it was something. Even if I wished it was something more than what it was, I was still content with what we got. So, um, talking about. The movie compared to some of the other DCU DC films. What I'm specifically referring to is like let's compare it between Man of Steel, Wonder Woman, Batman vs Superman, Suicide Squad. Let's put it in the midst of where you would rank those movies. So obviously you'll have to rank where you would put all those other films, but where would you put this in comparison to the other DC films? David, go ahead. Uh, sure. Um, well, look, for me, uh, this movie, and I, I should say, I, I felt it was lean, mean, and energetic. Uh, that was my, that's my little review of it. And I thought it lacked a sense of depth, but it had a, some heart and a sense of thrill ride fun. Now, I'd place it clearly below Wonder Woman, which I think is the best movie that they've done so far in the DC movies. I would have given that like an 8.5, Wonder Woman. This, I, on Signal of Doom, uh, my podcast, I gave it this, this movie a 6.5 to a 7. Um, and I actually had a lot of fun in the in the theater. Um, I would place it above uh, the cinema release of Batman Superman. I enjoy Batman Superman. I had fun with it, and I liked the Ultimate Cut a lot. But I felt this was slightly better, probably than than the cinema release of Batman Superman. And I would place it above. I found Man of Steel a complete snore. I can't even remember it really. And Suicide Squad. I, I mean. I guess it's below this as well. So it's second, but it's not a strong second for me in terms of a score. It's still only about a seven, but I did have a lot of fun with the movie. I just didn't feel it was particularly satisfying afterward. I woke up the next morning and it was almost like I could barely remember what I'd seen, but luckily I'd made notes as soon as I left the cinema. But I did have a lot of fun with it. It reminded me of a thrill ride. As you were saying, Dustin, um, the story for me was wafer thin, but it did. it was paced well and it had a simple plot which was kind of engaging, you know, so you got to the end of it and I also wished it had been longer. I actually, similar to you, Dustin, I kind of wish I'd blocked out all um, critics before I'd walked in because even though I was trying to stay off the internet, in like the half hour before I walked in, all I saw were bad critical reports and that puts you in a weird place Um, and I wish I would learn to just turn off my phone for like, you know, two days before I go and see this movie just so I could walk in completely fresh um, I almost did for Batman Superman. For this one, I walked in with pretty low expectations and it slightly exceeded them. And so I give it a 7 out of 10 and I think it's the second best so far. Uh, Paul, are you there? I'm there. Yeah, I'm there. mate, um, go ahead. So yeah. I, uh, I liked it. I, I liked it a lot. I would, put it, I would put it behind Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, I think, is the best that DC has put out up to this point. Um, and what I liked about this is, like you said, it is lean, it's mean, it's very, very straightforward. It's very A to B. To C. But what I enjoyed about it was that it... Um, I feel like everything else that DC has put out has been a bit of a deconstruction. It's been very much like Batman versus Superman. Like we're not going to show the, the heroes as they are. We're going to put them through the ringer. We're going to deconstruct them. We're going to take them apart. And what I liked about Justice League was is that it very much it was very much straightforward. Hey, these are our heroes. These are our characters. Let's just tell a story involving them. 
without completely ripping apart and turning on its head everything that we know about them. Um, so I put it at number two. I mean, I full disclosure, I love Batman and Superman. I think it's great, mm. um, especially mm. the, the longer cut of it. Um, and then after that, I'd say Man of Steel and Suicide Squad. I liked them all. I've enjoyed every single one of them. For me, I I went on Media Blackout a couple of days before I saw the movie. I just saw it yesterday. Good man. And, and I did that because there's a lot of, one, the spoilers started coming out heavy on Twitter or else. Um, and actually, one of the reasons why I'm glad that we're doing this podcast now is I actually get to kind of see what other people thought of the thing. I've been keeping, I mean, on Blackout, but I had to say about it. But uh, I... I'd say I, I liked it. I thought it was very enjoyable. I thought it was very much of what we all enjoy about DC Comics. And I put it at I put it at yeah, not, not not a weak number two, but a medium uh-huh. behind Wonder Woman. Yeah, I I would agree with both of you. I, I agree that Wonder Woman was the best of what we've gotten so far, and I would put this underneath Wonder Woman. Not as you both said, a strong number two um, compared to you know Wonder Woman, but definitely you know I I'll be honest I. I had some major issues with Batman vs Superman outside of the cinema cut. Initially, when it came out, I had a lot of a lot of issues, um, and I honestly I got to go to a special screening before the movie actually came out. And when I saw it, I was very I, I was kind of like I don't even know if I really want to talk about this. And I still had to go see it. Then a week later, with my wife for opening night, and I just mm-hmm. kept thinking to myself, "Man, I, oof. I I I just knew that her reaction was not going to be super great to that film, but." I had major issues with that, uh, specifically the characterization of Batman. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that Ben Affleck pay- playing Batman in Batman vs. Superman was by far awesome. I was I was pumped to see that. But I think the characterization of Batman initially and then everything else that we got with the Superman stuff and the, the villains with Lex Luthor and Doomsday, I just was not a fan of it as a whole. Like, honestly, like putting a rating on it. Uh, even and this may clash to what I gave it back then, but I think <clears throat> looking back on it, I would probably give it somewhere in the neighborhood of like a three and a half to a four out of ten. Ouch! Uh, this is where I would be. I mean, like uh, I, I actually enjoyed Suicide Squad more, but it wasn't because the movie was more in depth or the plot was that much better. Because honestly, the plot was a little bit weaker in Suicide Squad. The reason I actually liked Suicide Squad more was because. I love the introduction of all of the other characters that are, you know, that never, and most of them had never seen a version of them ever make it into a a live action film. And I thought that was really cool to see. Um, And I thought that movie was fun. I mean, there was definitely the villains were not that great. And I wouldn't say it was much better than Batman versus Superman, but I enjoyed the idea of all these other characters being able to have a focus instead of just the main characters that we have seen so many times in the past, like Superman, like Batman and things like that. So um, I would say like on a scale of 10, I would probably put it like a four to a 4.5. It's not much, that much better than Batman versus Superman, but I think it's slightly better man of steel. I honestly left that movie and I, I just disliked that movie a lot. Um, I went and saw the <laughs> film and on the way home, um, driving home from the film, I just went on this like massive 10 minute rant on the way home to my wife about that's not what Superman is. Why did they make Superman like this? I don't get it. You know, why are we, why why did he, why did he snap Zod's neck? What is the point of all of this? Um, I I was really upset and, and not not to say that, you know, I, am the, you know, utmost, uh, respectable person to be, you know, characterizing Superman by any means, because I don't read a ton of Superman stuff. But what I have read in the past does not put Superman in that characterization that we saw. Um, So 
when it comes to Justice League, I would put it below Wonder Woman um, out of the the 10 that I guess the, the scale that we're going on here. I'd put Wonder Woman probably at an 8.5 and I would put um, Justice League probably at a 6 um, somewhere in there. I It was definitely a fun film. Um, I, I definitely enjoyed a lot of the lighthearted moments. It didn't feel as serious as, as a lot of of the other films that we saw uh, Wonder Woman had its, had its moments of comedy too, but it still was a serious film. And, uh, but I, I felt as if, you know, the comedy that was in Wonder Woman wasn't, it, it didn't need to be directed at one. Justice League on the other hand, there was comments that like Batman made that were kind of like, well, that doesn't seem like a comment Batman would make or the, the, the one of the comedy moments that I didn't like in Justice League was Superman making the comment after he helps rip apart the mother boxes with cyborg. He's like, oh, I, I wish I was still dead. And I was like, yeah, no, you don't. That That's a dumb, stupid thing to say. Um, but, uh, yeah, but outside of that, I mean, that's where I would, I would put it. So let's, let's dive into some of the characterizations of some of the characters. So basically there's a lot of characters in this film. So I kind of want to, uh, and some of the characters only had brief, brief moments of, of uh, appearing such as commissioner Gordon, uh, since, Commissioner Gordon did not appear previously in Batman vs Superman. So we have J.K. Simmons as as uh, Commissioner Gordon. Uh, specifically, let's let's start with the Batman related characters. So we're specifically talking Alfred, Batman, and Commissioner Gordon first. Let's talk about whether or not you enjoyed those characterizations of those three characters before we dive into the league and the other member, the other other cast members. So, David, what did you think of the T- the the TBU characters specifically? Okay, um, I think they're a very strong part of this movie of Justice League. Uh, going through them one by one, obviously we've got Alfred uh, there played by uh, Jeremy Irons, am I right? Always good, always a good actor, always solid. He's never a problem. Um, he was classy. I, I liked his Alfred. Um, then we have Commissioner Gordon, played by one of my favourite actors of all time, J.K. Simmons. I know him so well as uh, J. Jonah Jameson. And he was um, a little more goofy than I expected, but I, I love that actor's way of doing things, and it was enjoyable. Um, I thought we'd get a bit more of, of Commissioner Gordon, and it certainly left me pumped for the Matt Reeves solo film, which I assume will have him in it. Um, yeah, no, so, I mean, again, good. Then we have Batfleck. I think he was – I mean, I love uh, Ben Affleck in Batman Superman, and I thought in this he was solid, very likeable, they clearly gave him more heart and warmth, and I thought, you know, Batfleck rose to the occasion. Um, yeah, no, I think in the entire movie for me, he was the second best behind behind um, Wonder Woman. I, I thought I thought um, Ben Affleck did a very good job as Batman, even though he's probably segueing out of the whole thing. Uh, Paul, what did you think, man? I uh, I thought first of all, let's let's talk about Batfleck. I thought he was. I liked the angle that they took with him, where essentially he's a guy who's like, I know I've screwed up, and I'm, um, I thought that they made it lighter. But it wasn't to the point of it wasn't Batman and Robin where he's not just throwing out jokes left and right. The I thought that the humor that <laughs> he did bring in, I thought it was very organic. Um, like even the the do you bleed moment, um, I thought that was a great moment, it was, and it was a great callback to something that a lot of people had a problem with in the last movie. Um, as for Jeremy Irons as Alfred, it's just more of the same. It was fantastic. Um, I really like this take on the character where he's like the uh, retired SAS guy who's just stumbled into working for Bruce Wayne, but so he's very much more of a, a partner in crime than he is there to polish the silverware. And um, I really liked it. I really liked that. I really hope that both with uh, him and JK Simmons, that they stick around. It looks like, uh, like you said, Ben Affleck's on his way out, but hopefully they don't throw out everything after the, I would love to see more of this take on Alfred. And as for JK Simmons, 
I thought for what to do, he was fine. Like he was like, that's commissioner Gordon. He's there to essentially to just relay information and light the bat signal. And he does what he needs to do. And um, I would love to see more of that character and give that character a lot more time to do more things. Um, also a special shout out. I love that they threw Christmas Allen in there for yeah. a quick second. Yep. Um, I think it's always think it's a great thing when instead of just random detective number three, they say, Oh no, that's this character and bring him into the world. So I think it'd be great if they continued to do that. Like let's bring in Bullock, let's bring in Montoya. Um, mm, definitely. Yeah. So I think that Batman and his world were very, very, very well. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I just l- let me touch on that last comment you just made about uh, putting other characters. I will say that that is one of my biggest complaints I have about these giant franchise films. When I go see a Marvel movie, I'm not as familiar with Marvel, so I can't, you know, I can't uh, criticize it as much. But when I go to a DC film and they have a character um, who, you know, they have this massive, massive library encyclopedia of characters that you could use. Why would you just use Joe Schmo? There's no reason just to use the, the random Joe and, and say, hey, why not use some off the wall character that you're never going to actually get around to. Like one of my, I, I, it wasn't really a major complaint, but one of the things I was kind of disappointed in is in the beginning of the film, you have Batman chasing down, uh, not chasing down, but basically catching a, catching a robber. He's stealing silver out of somebody's house and Batman comes and he captures him just to use him as bait for a parademon. When he catches him, you know, it's just some random thief. It doesn't really make a difference who he is, but I thought to myself, wouldn't it be just funny not funny, but like it would be a kind of a cool moment to see some other character that you say like, not, like I don't know, like I'm just like some gangster or some some low level criminal, like the name yeah. of the penny plunderer, for example, like that's who it is. And you don't know, you know, you know if you know the comics, you know who he is because they reference him and like, you know, they say his name and you're like, Oh, okay. Hey, I know who that is. That's pretty cool that, because they're never going to make a movie about the penny plunderer. You don't need to, yeah. you don't have to have that character ever appear again. It doesn't make a difference. So why not do something like that and have the ability to do that? But it was cool to see Christmas Allen. There was a couple of other small moments here and there that popped up. Um, Specifically, like in that scene with the giant battle between uh, Steppenwolf and all of his parademons and the Atlanteans, Amazonians, the the humans, and then the other people like the gods and the the random Green Lantern that was there. I thought it was cool that there was a Green Lantern there. I'm pretty sure that was just there as a way to hint that the Green Lanterns exist because I'm sure that the Green Lantern that was actually there was not somebody that anybody recognized. Um, But amongst the group, they also had... Um, uh, they also had the gods, including uh, Zeus and things like that, even though he looked much younger. Um, and those characters, they they do exist in the DC universe, so why not use them? Um, but the Christmas Allen one was a cool call out. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like you have so many characters you can use. Like you're never going to get a, like even if you make three films a year out of the DC universe, you're never going to get around to using all of the characters from these, from this company's 70 plus year existence. It's never going to happen. So why not go the route of like doing, you know, going crazy and just trying to figure out ways to assign characters. You know, I remember when Marvel was making movies and people were like, Oh, look at all the things that they did. Um, and, and the, the ties. And then you see there are some characters who randomly appear in a very small role in one film. And then in another film, they end up becoming a lot, much larger threat. 
uh, Spider-Man Homecoming did that, uh, where they had a lot of characters that were very, you know, you just knew them, what, what their names were. But if you knew the Spider-Man characters, you knew that one was Scorpion. You knew one was eventually going to become um, uh, Hobgoblin, I believe, was one of them. But the, the point is, like, it's one of those things where I like seeing that stuff. I like seeing the connections to the larger universe because there is a, a, a ton of characters you're never going to get around to making a movie about. And to sit there and say, well, someday, you know, 50 years from now, we might have wasted all of the characters and we have to use those. But that's 50 years from now. Don't worry about 50 years from now. Worry about creating a really in-depth, awesome movie that fans are going to appreciate. So uh, but getting back to what we were actually trying to talk about, the characterization of the TVU characters, um, I would say that... Uh, ben Affleck is Batman. I thought was great. I didn't have any major qualms. Um, going back to what you said, David, about the or what you both said about the humor, the humor was was in a weird way. Like in some ways, it did come across as would Batman really say this stuff? But a lot of his humor, I realized after thinking about it after the fact, was a lot of his humors were very snarky, which I could see Batman doing. Um, not so much just he he ha ha like the Batman Robin stuff that you mentioned, Paul. So I think that. It, it works well to have, you know, the, the, you know, to have the humor, but still do it in that snarky way where it's not Batman specifically the only person who's doing humor. A lot of the humor was other characters um, talking about um, Jeremy Irons, no issues. I felt like he, he probably maybe had a bigger role in the movie initially. Um, it didn't feel like there was a whole lot in this film, but I definitely could see them giving him a lot more. Um, this definitely does feel like the Batman Earth one Alfred more so than any other Alfred we've ever seen and much more so than the Alfred we've seen in the normal continuity of the comics. Because like you guys said, the the former special forces, Alfred is definitely the way he's being portrayed. Um, I know in Batman vs Superman, he was he was flying the drone. Um, so it's one of those things where I could definitely see that that's the direction they're going. I, it'll be interesting to see if that changes when they eventually get to the you know the batman movies from matt reeves if alfred has more of just a i sit in the back cave and i'm your basically your your you know your your backup that's back at headquarters that kind of thing because he he does he can't like they also don't have well they they don't have a wayne manor right now um mm. that they're actually using so that's the other aspect of this that somehow they'll have to resolve that but there's there's other issues that um that, that they have where, you know, if he's a, if Bruce Wayne was to throw a party, could you see Jeremy Irons carrying around a tray with champagne <laughs> for people? And I will honestly say, no, I can't see that yeah. at all. But I mean, like, that's not to say that the way they are portraying him is bad by any means. It's just, it's not the Alfred that I guess we're, we're very, we're very uh, associated to with the comics and things like that. Uh, this is very much, in my opinion, like Batman Earth One. Um, now, J.K. Simmons, they did also did not give him a ton, but honestly, I don't know that anything was cut out from hit from his side of it because he has been saying for months that he doesn't have a lot of stuff in this movie. It was very quick stuff. I thought the stuff that they did have worked out fine, um, almost to a degree where you know he shows up to light the bat signal, and when when Christmas Allen asks him the question about you know have you talked to Batman about this the the drawing looks like somebody that could be Batman um, when all of that was happening I kept thinking to myself I I feel as if they just had him in the movie so they could be like hey I'm the guy who flips the bat signal switch 
And that's, I mean, but it is Justice League. It's not a Batman film. Um, I really hope that once the Matt Reeves stuff comes around, that they go in the the routes where J.K. Simmons has a much larger role. He's they show the GCPD aspect a lot more. Um, I think like with the Chris Nolan films, when they had uh, Gary Oldman playing Commissioner Gordon, I think that his involvement with Batman was was done very well. Where the GCPD. Even if they're at odds with Batman, they still have the GCPD involved in what's going on. I want to see that. And then you have the ability to have more Commissioner Gordon. I think his portrayal of the character was fine. No issues whatsoever. I just feel like there wasn't a whole lot to really base it off of. But what we got, it worked out fine. Um, so moving into the other characters, let's talk about the main Justice League characters. Uh, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Flash, Cyborg, and let's let's leave Superman for uh, the next next topic here. But let's talk about those four characters and whether or not you thought those characters were done well. So David, go ahead. Sure. Um, well, first off, we'll kick off with Flash. I thought he was very amusing, even if they sort of slightly overplayed that angle. I mean, to me, he was the kid of the team and he was there for the kids in the audience for the sense of wonder he had, like, for example, a scene where he got in the back cave and he's like, wow, it's a cave, and he was, like, running around. Um, I really enjoy – I'm not familiar with that actor at all um, other than his promo for this uh, movie, and I was kind of, like, slightly apprehensive from what I had seen. But, no, I really enjoyed Flash in this. Uh, He's he's by no means my favourite Just League character of all time, but I just thought the performance was really cool. And um, so I thought he did a really good job. Um, then we have Aquaman. Uh, look, I thought I'm a big fan of Jason Momoa um, from Game of Thrones and, like, I liked kind of what he was going for, but I was kind of worried. Like, all we got in the trailers was, like, um, oh, yeah, like a real kind of, like, that kind of surfer dude thing. I felt he was probably not serviced that well by the story. He had one really good moment other than just doing oh, yes, which is when he sat on the lasso. And you got a bit more backstory. I actually really like that that scene, and I think he's a really good actor. And I'm and I'm pumped for um, <clears throat> Aquaman the movie. But I thought in this film he was kind of constrained by the script a little bit and kind of put in a box a little bit. So I mean he was he was fine, but uh, I thought he was kind of a bit restricted. Uh, for me, um, then obviously we've got Cyborg. Um, I absolutely loathe the Cyborg character design of how he is looking. I'm not a big Cyborg fan in the first place. I thought this actor did a very poor job. Um, I didn't enjoy his performance at all. I mean, I, I, I know he's trying to under-emote, but we were talking about this on Signal of Doom. I thought he under-emoted to the point of being invisible, and then he's also the central plot point. And I, I find Cyborg just a real grind as a character in the, in, to begin with. Um, so, yeah, and I just really didn't like his actual, I guess it's not really on the actor, but the technology to, for how he looks. I thought he looked ridiculous, frankly. Um, Cyborg was definitely a, the weakest point in this movie acting-wise for me. Then we come to Wonder Woman. I thought Gal Gadot was fantastic. I think in a lot of ways she's carrying this franchise, um, and I thought she acted well, the script serviced her well, uh, she looked fantastic. She ticked all the boxes. She had a good relationship with Batfleck. They had a good chemistry. I think the film needed that. And I actually felt that this movie, the performances, um, I know we're leaving Superman to one side, I think the performances inside the team were actually very strong and it probably carried uh, the weaker story material. Um, the actual cast itself was very good. Even Cyborg, he did his job. I'm just not a Cyborg fan and, you know, I sort of had to grind through that. But I thought overall... 
that the cast did a really good job with what they had. At times, they were constrained by their material. But I, I give a special props to Wonder Woman, uh, Gal Gadot. I thought she was absolutely fantastic. Uh, turning over to you, Paul. I think that they did a decent job with giving all four characters their own moments and, and giving them each a little bit of time. Uh, I thought the Flash, like the Flash is primarily there, make the story a bit lighter and, and give all the funny moments. Uh, but it also did give, I also liked the Flash a little bit of an arc with everything where uh, I love the scene at the beginning where he goes and visits his dad and his dad's telling him to move on and stop visiting me. And he just looks at him and I don't want to ever hear you say that again. Uh, I thought that was a really personal moment that tells you a lot about what, I, and I thought it was a nice way of dovetailing that at the end when, uh, look, I got a job. I'm trying to do something with my life. Um, but he was also, he was, he was funny. He was good. I've seen that. I've seen Ezra Miller in a few other things. Um, and he, he presents in this pretty much as you figure he would based on, on how he's been presenting himself at comic cons and that sort of, um, I thought they did a decent job. I mean, if you read flash in anything else, the comics, he's not, the rookie he's not mr hyperactive i mean that's definitely something that for some reason they've decided works in the movie but for what it was i liked it i thought it was uh as for aquaman or as i like to call him Broquaman, he uh i feel like i liked him i enjoyed what he did i think momo is a great actor and a good presence in the movie but i felt the one thing i would say is that i felt like they didn't really want to do too much with the character because he's got his own movie coming up he's there he's there they make it very clear that he's sort of the reluctant hero and that's as as far as it, anything really good, like they give him that one great little moment where he sits on the lasso. But other than that, he's really just there to be cool. And I also can't help but wonder if he's kind of the response to like the, the classic stereotype about you know Aquaman being the lame guy. I hope where not. they make him like the coolest guy on the team. Oh, I certainly think so, that that's why he's characterized like that. Yeah, against the 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 old persona, you know. Which, in my opinion, if that's the case, that's that's really bad. Considering I remember distinctly when. Uh, Batman vs Superman was being done. I remember Zack Snyder doing some interview in Entertainment Weekly talking about how one of his goals with bringing Aquaman into the DC universe with these films was to make it so that he wasn't the lame character that he was, that everyone just is like, oh, this is the guy who talks to fish. That's all he does. Um, mm. And he was going on and on about how, well, the, the water covers more than 75% of the earth and he's the king of all of that. And that's a big deal. You need to make sure that that's a big deal. He, he was going on and on about how important Aquaman was in this interview. And I just feel like what we got here, I agree. It was definitely one of those things where it did, it did feel like we can't explore too much of this character because that's going to kind of maybe mess with what's happening in his own film next year. Um, I'm sure there was a, you know, a mandate of some sort saying, Hey, this is what we're doing in Aquaman. Try to stay away from touching any of this, uh, any of these parts, because that stuff's going to be explored because we didn't really get a whole lot of his backstory. I mean, like you learned about the fact that his mom was the queen of Atlantis before, you know, before, and he's, he's, he's was never really part of uh, Atlantis and how he's basically an outsider, even though he's the rightful heir and you see the, the brief tension between him and Mira, but you don't have a whole lot to go on because you know that for a full fact that it's going to happen later on in his own film. So um, I'm sure we'll be seeing flashbacks. I remember reading something recently saying that there are four different age versions of Aquaman that are going to be shown in his own film. Um, so we can expect four different time uh, time periods of his life to be shown um, in, in Aquaman itself. So that's clearly why they didn't do too much. I do agree that I love the scene with him sitting on the lasso though. 
Yeah, like I thought he was like. Don't get me wrong. I thought he was great, and and uh, just for the record, I like Aquaman. But uh, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's, he just seemed to be there to be like, "Hey, look at how cool he is." But that's as far as they could go, and maybe that mm-hmm. was a mandate. Maybe that's out of respect for James Wan and what he's doing. But he was he was just there for he was there for the cool factors. Um, as for Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, she was great. He's uh, a very very well cast uh, role. I think she does a great job with it. Um, they definitely, I think, are trying to bridge the gap between what they set up in Batman versus Superman, where she's cut off from the world and she's kind of tricked into kind of revealing herself. Um, and she doesn't really, she isn't sure she wants to be a part of everything to now all of a sudden she's on this team and she has to put herself back out there. Um, I also like that they didn't try to shoehorn a romance between her and Batman. Uh, like they... They acknowledge that there might be a bit of a spark there, but that's as far as it goes. They don't waste time trying to manufacture something that doesn't need to be there. And as for Cyborg, he was fine. Um, he doesn't. They don't really give him much do. He's really there to kind of move the plot along, and that's really about it. Um, they try to. It's funny. Like they, they set up all these seeds about him being feeling like a monster and uh, not feeling human anymore, and all these different things, and mourning the loss of the fact that he can't uh, walk down the street anymore. But then they don't really do anything with it it's just sort of well i've i've made it so everything's fine now um but he was he was fine i mean i'm not i don't dislike the character of cyborg i i'm kind of indifferent to cyborg in general um i think that the character is really just kind of there to kind of move plots along more than anything else and for what they needed him to do in this and the mother box and all of that but that's that's as much as out of all the characters that the least well served yeah so I'll start with Cyborg just because you you ended with Cyborg. Cyborg, I feel they didn't have a whole lot for him to do because I don't know that he, he – here's the thing. Cyborg initially was not part of the Justice League. They didn't really have – and I'm speaking for the comics. Uh, Cyborg was not part of the Justice League. He's always been part of the Teen Titans. Um, it wasn't until just recently, back in 2011, when Jeff Johns brought Cyborg into the Justice League and made him part of the Justice League. You you can come up with your own reasons as to why he was added. Jeff Johns has gone on record to say that the reason why he added Cyborg to the team was because in today's world, technology is such a prominent thing that you need to have somebody who is very efficient with technology, such as somebody like Cyborg. So that makes perfect sense in that regard. But the problem is when you don't have a story that involves too much technology or you don't have a lot of moments that involve a ton of technology you don't have a lot for him to do and even when you do have technology there's not a lot for him to do i mean there was a point <laughs> where they come back to the back cave to try to do research and he just stands there shift sifting through the internet to try to fi- figure out where it is he himself is not really doing anything it's basically the same thing as having like hell from 2001 a space odyssey he's just there you can just be a voice you don't have to actually have a being you have to like in order to make the character more interesting. You have to play off the fact that he still has elements of being a human inside of him. Um, you can't just play him off as he's all machine and he just has half of his face left, and that's that's what makes him part human. Is is he's got half of his face left? Like you have to do more for the character. And I think the the thing is, it specifically in this story, it felt as if he was there because of the mother boxes and his connection to the mother boxes. It didn't feel like there was, if you didn't have the mother boxes, I'm not sure how much he, how much he would have been connected. He had some moments like taking over the, the night crawler in the, 
it, underneath the, in the tunnels when they were facing about, facing off against Steppenwolf and the Parademons when they were saving the uh, the the employees from Star Labs. Uh, he had that moment where he's like, "Alfred, I got this," and he takes over the Nightcrawler. And then he also made a comment about how he could control he could make the plane fly faster just by controlling it. I don't know how you know physics wise yeah. that actually works out doesn't make a lot of sense to me but it, it, that's what they had him do was he just basically was able to do some research for them and was able to manipulate their current technology into overperforming but in other cases they didn't have him do 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 things like that so i mean there's plenty plenty to say but i obviously this is the introduction of a character that we don't know a lot about they also didn't do a humongously great job of introducing each one of these characters, um, specifically Cyborg, Aquaman, and Flash, because they are all planned to have their own films in the future at some point, or were planned to have their own films at some point. Um, initially, when the initial slate for all the DC films was announced back in uh, 2015, 20, I think it was 2015. So when that slate was announced, it wasn't one of those things where you know, there was going to be a cyborg film. There was going to be a Flash film. There was going to be an Aquaman film. And now some of it is, is you know, adjusted. Flash, the Flash movie is now going to be a Flashpoint movie. Uh, we still get Aquaman next year, but Cyborg was initially on the, the schedule for 2020 and now is not on the, the current slate, um, but still has plans to happen. So it's one of those things where I feel as if some of these characters, maybe they weren't, they didn't have the best introduction because, well, do you really want to explain the origin of the Flash or the Cy- or Cyborg or Aquaman in the Justice League film if they're going to get their own film after the Justice League comes out? And that's a problem because you're kind of working backwards in the direction of your, you know, when comparing it to Marvel, you have the characters' introduction in their own films, and then eventually they come to be part of a team in Avengers. That makes sense because you obviously don't start with having them as part of a team and then go back to saying how they came to be. Um, but Cyborg, you didn't get a whole lot. I mean, he was involved in some car accident or some sort of accident that caused him to get severely damaged, and then his father did some experiments on him. Other than that, you don't know anything except for he played football. You don't know anything about the character. Yeah. I mean, Aquaman, he he likes drinking whiskey, and he likes – working with the people in that one little town in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) I mean, like you don't know a lot about these characters. I mean, you learn a little bit more of his history when he he meets up with Mira, but even like the flash, you have the situation where like he goes and sees his father, you have Batman and one woman talk about how the father went to jail for murdering his mother, but you don't really have any exploration as to how he got his powers in the movie itself. It actually says that he's not a CSI. He's trying to go to school to become a CSI. So he's got his powers some other way than being in the crime lab and being struck by lightning as the comics and the TV show have shown. So he's, he, it's clearly different. He doesn't even actually have the name flash yet in the film. So it's one of those things where, you know, I feel like the origins for the characters were hindered because either the intent was you're going to tell the story in their own films or you're just breezing past it because they're just part of the team. And the only p- characters you're supposed to really care about is maybe Batman and Wonder Woman, because you already got introduced to those characters before this film. Um, as far as Wonder Woman goes, I didn't have any issues with her characterization. Um, it was pretty online with what happened in the past in Batman vs Superman. Um, Wonder Woman, the, the only, only complaint I had about her character was 
in Batman vs Superman, they go in this big long shtick about how she's disappeared for a hundred years and she stayed hidden because she didn't want to be involved in all of men's wars and all of this other stuff. And that was a huge complaint I had with with the Wonder Woman character because she is supposed to be a a symbol of hope, just like Superman to a degree. And by just hiding for a hundred years and not being involved in any way, doesn't seem like her character at all. In this film itself, they start off, you know, the beginning of the 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 beginning of the actual movie starts off with that sequence where there's a bunch of random people who are going to blow up the museum and then the museum is going to blow up four square blocks or something like that. And she goes and stops them. Well, hmm. it's great that she goes and stops them, but she, 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 everyone sees that she's there. It's not as if they don't know she exists. So it's one of those things where if she has been out there helping people all these years, how come nobody knows she exists? You can't just decide to help people just to help people, but then never be around and everyone just pretends like they don't know who you are. Um, and then the other part of it is that uh, at the end of the movie, she does go back to that symbol of hope. She, you see her stop a crime and then she's out there with the children, just like Superman was to a degree at the beginning of the film or what they were trying to aim for at the beginning of the film, with the cell phone footage. So that part of it was, you know, and they make a, a, a point to say, you know, you stayed hidden all these years. That didn't help you know, that hasn't helped man by, you You know, you staying hidden didn't help, even though it made no sense compared to what happened in the Wonder Woman film, because it contradicted it itself. She went to, you know, yeah. help men in Wonder Woman because of what the horrible things that were happening. She wouldn't just say, you know what, I'm not going to do anything for the next hundred years. And just Lee kind of just reinforces that problem that was in Batman vs Superman by but hopefully the 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 idea is just get rid of that idea by the time one Roman two rolls around and because that movie's rumored to take place sometime between world war one and the present so it's still taking place in the past you can't have a movie where she's you know just undercover as a uh as a person who works at a museum it's just not going to happen so D- dustin i've got something to your point there actually um gal Gadot recently uh, talking about Wonder Woman 2, she said they're actually going to retcon uh, that section where they said she wasn't involved with the world. She sort of made some allusion to, I think they realised that that was a mistake, that, she, that she'd that yeah. stayed hidden for 100 years, and uh, they intend to, I think, in Wonder Woman 2, retcon that basically as if that line didn't exist. Yeah, you know? and I, so and I did read that too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I did read that too, and, and it's one of those things where she knows because she's playing the character and mm. the mythos has been much more explored in her own movie with Patty Jenkins as the director. They have done a much better job with that character in their own film where she realizes that that, that idea of her just not being around for a hundred years does not work with what Wonder Woman stands for. It doesn't make any yeah, sense. Exactly. So I think yeah. that's why she has gone on record recently to say that is because she wants to make it known that, Hey, she might not have agreed completely with what they did with this, she's been around, she's been gone for a hundred years. That was set up in Batman vs Superman before her own film came out. They, exactly. you know, Justice League was already in motion before Wonder Woman came out. So they had to, you know, they were just playing off of what they were doing in in Batman vs Superman. So I, I I appreciate the fact that she's gone out there and said, "Hey, listen, we know that's not the way it is, and it needs to be different, um, and we're going to change that because it makes sense mm-hmm. that way." Um, so going back, let's see, Flash. I didn't have any major issues. I completely agree that he did feel like the kid of the team. Um, he, you know, he's basically like the young recruit. Um, as far as Aquaman goes, no major issues. Definitely the best scene was the scene with him on the lasso by far. 
And it just felt like outside of Batman and Wonder Woman, they didn't have a whole lot for the other characters to be, you know, to really build up their character other than just having them as part of the team and as, as part of the solution of taking down Steppenwolf and, and, and the larger scheme of things. But it felt like there was a lot of things that could have been improved with their character by at least giving a little bit more introduction to them since we didn't have the origin. You know, there's a lot of people out there who complain about origin movies in general and say, Origin movies have been done so much, and, and and there are characters who have seen so many versions of their origins. Well, we don't need to see origin movies. Origin movies aren't very good normally. They're not very good. You spend too much time doing that. Um, to a degree, Spider-Man: Homecoming, you kind of you kind of get past the origin story and just keep going. You know, you, you just kind of skip it. You, you get that he existed, and you get a little bit of the how he came to exist. But you just you move forward and you just go on. When it comes to the idea that these characters were all popping up in Justice League before their own solo films, I thought that the whole idea was we were going to see just real quick sequences of how they got their powers or how they came to be in some way just so that you could just move on and their their solo movies wouldn't have to be about explaining how they came to be or who the character is. And maybe the intent was to include that stuff and it just was one of those things that ended up getting cut out of the film. But I felt like that would have made the film a little bit more better if you had a little, spent a little bit more time explaining who these characters were instead of just relying on the fact that a year or two years or in some cases three or four years or in an indefinite amount of time would be able to you, – you'd be able to finally figure out how this character came to be in their own solo film when it eventually comes out. So, I mean, that's one of the things that I would have wished more for some of these characters. All right, so let's move on to Superman. Um so the big thing about Superman, obviously, if you're listening to this, you've probably seen the film. You know that Superman came back. I don't think there was any question out there that Superman was not going to be part of the film in some way, uh, even though the trailers made it seem like, well, he's definitely dead. And all the promotion was him initially saying, Superman in the film, of course he's dead. And even the trailers showing these scenes that seemed as if they could have been flashbacks, but turned out they weren't. Um, it's one of those things where it's like great on them for doing the marketing. I mean, the marketing for the trailers, I was really concerned initially that they were going to reveal that he came back, that he, that, you know, he's going to be coming back. And I thought they were going to do it like months and months ago, like back in July, like when the trailer came out for Comic-Con, I thought that's what was going to happen. I was like, that's the same thing they did with Doomsday and they should have never revealed that Doomsday was in the film. It just, it ruins part of the film. So Superman comes back. He is, uh, you know, he's initially evil. Then he, you know, he had you know, the key to everything as uh, Flash put in Batman vs Superman. Um, I'm sure there was some sort of connection to that, even though they didn't kind of go back and show that. Um, the key to everything was Lois Lane to get him to to get more grounded back to reality. Um, and then he becomes good and he helps out the league. So the question is, what did you think of Superman's appearance? Sure. Uh, okay. Looking at Superman's, uh, I've got to split split into a few bits here because I think Henry Cavill, fantastic actor, has been very poorly served in all these movies, uh, at least up until Justice League, uh, in terms of script. Uh, now his physical appearance, I mean, he looks great. He he's ripped. Um, you know, physically great. Um, must the mustache thing was. I kept looking at him all movie thinking, why does Superman, why is Henry Cavill not looking like Henry Cavill? I mean, I'm quite familiar with Henry Cavill from movies like A Man uh, Called Uncle, etc. And I just kept looking at him. And I'm like, what is wrong with him? There's something wrong with his face. And and I seriously thought that the whole time. I'm like, has he really aged really badly in like the last two years? Didn't seem to mesh with what I was even seeing. 
I then realised well, my, my co-host, Stuart, uh, from Doom said to me afterwards, it's Moustache Gate. It was because he had the moustache from Mission Impossible, whatever number they're up to, six, I think. And, I, and actually, it did impact on how he looked in the face. And I thought about it in the cinema without realising. So that was, a, that was a mistake. They should have paid the, I think Stuart made a good point. They should have paid the money for the stoppage on Mission Impossible 6 to, so he could not have actually had the CGI to remove the moustache because it did hinder him a little bit. Um, in terms of his character, I, I thought the scene with him coming back in the day was, I've got to be honest, one of the lowest points of this movie. Um, I thought it wasn't service well being. It felt like the stakes were really low for what should have been a major scene, which is the return of Superman. I, it was, I, I felt very, very underwhelming. It's not really on Henry Cavill as an actor, I guess, because it's the entire scene itself, but I was critical of that. Then, though, um, we obviously get uh, Bruce bringing out the big guns, which I thought was going to be like a kryptonite bomb. Well, it turns out it was Lois. That actually was a nice reveal. And then very quickly, um, Superman is suddenly the Superman that we we know from the comics. Now, I'm not a huge Superman fan in, in terms of reading him, but when I think of Superman, I like a bright, energetic, kind of full of, you know, virtue Superman. That's what I actually like in Superman. And he actually became it, and I actually really enjoyed that, and I liked how they, they made the colour pop, pop off his suit a bit more. When they actually got the Superman, I liked him. I just felt the scene of his return was an extremely underwhelming scene that perhaps should not have been in daylight. Um, it really felt cheap, that that actual scene. I was very critical of it. That's not on Henry Cavill. That's on the directing. Um, and I'd be very interested to know who directed that scene, if that was a Snyder scene or that was a Whedon. I don't know. Whoever did it, I thought it was a terrible scene. But Henry Cavill as an actor finally gave us in a little segment the Superman that I think we've needed and uh, have kind of not had. And we're a very cynical audience in 2017 and a lot of people would have thought that Superman can't be bright and colourful. Well, I think what these movies have shown is people don't really respond to the dark, moody Superman in the movies. They want bright and colourful. We've already got Batman. We've got other heroes who are dark. Let Superman be bright and colourful. So I eventually think they got there. But, again, I, I didn't feel that this script was fantastic and the treatment of the return of Superman I'd have to put down as one of the lowest points. I expected him to come back in a silver suit, at least a nod to the comics, and it'd be a bit more epic. But it was like he was kind of evil and I enjoyed the battle with Wonder Woman, but the rest of it was a bit of a joke scene and then suddenly he was fully normal with Lois. So I'm critical of the scene and the direction of it more so than I am of Henry Cavill, who I think did a good job again with what he's been given but I do wish they could have shaved off that mustache because it did impact on him visually for me. Um, what about you, Paul? Well, first of all, I like to say that I think that Superman was that I think really, really worked. Um, I think that we finally got classic in this movie, even from the very beginning of the movie, you have that little Snapchat video they opened the movie with. Mm. And even in that scene, it's like, ah, it's, it's Superman doing Superman. Um, it's smiling a little bit, which is something that we didn't get in the, in the previous movie. Um, as for the mustache, eh, yeah, you could occasionally, but it, it didn't bother me. It was actually turned into like a fun little game when I was sitting there watching it with my wife. And all of a sudden, mustache, mustache, we're going to call it out. I'm looking forward to the eventual Justice League uh, mustache drinking game. I think we'll all be playing soon. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I thought that the return scene, it, it was fun. Um, it wasn't super dramatic. And I think that they were trying very, very hard to not quote unquote evil Superman too dark because it's, it's been clear that people don't like that. Um, I will say that as you, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the dream sequence from Batman versus Superman, Dustin, because I think 
it's neat how they they don't reference it, but they subtly reference the whole Lois is the key. Like they they pay off that from the last movie without actually calling out that they're paying off that dream scene, which I thought was it's a good. Um, I do kind of wish that if you're going to decide to make Superman come back a little different and have to take some time to become Superman again, I think you need to give that character time to do it. I mean, he essentially, he meets up with Lois and then goes and has a nap and then he's okay. And I would have liked to take them to take two, three more minutes. You know, wouldn't it be great to see him like have a a memory of him hanging out and getting some piece of advice from his dad? Or something like that on the farm. Just one little scene to really make him kind of remember what he's there to do and why he's there to do it. And then from there, he's he's just Superman. I thought it was great. Yeah, so I would – so there's a couple points I want to touch on. You guys were talking about the mustache thing. Um, as far as the mustache goes, the only time I actually even was paying attention and noticed it was in the very beginning, that cell phone video. And I I – knew going into it that there was going to be scenes where he was he had a mustache that was digitally messed with and i thought to myself the thing that like bewilders me about the entire idea of him and this mustache and mission impossible six is the fact that like in today's world of hair and makeup you can't make a fake mustache why is the mustache that crucial to the plot of a film that he can't get a fake mustache for the rest of the film. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, Studio politics, Dustin. That's all. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. But it's one of those things where it's like, it's just ridiculous. Um, that opening I, think that's more, I think that's more paramount being a jerk about things than anything. There's probably some clause in the contract for Mission Impossible that says that if you want to shave your mustache, you have to ask our permission and wouldn't give it. Yeah, I'm sure it was. But it's definitely one of those things where I remember when they initially reported on it, like back in the summer, I was thinking to myself, what? You can't give somebody a fake mustache? I mean, like, how often do we see people with, uh, you know, facial hair in a movie and then they don't have facial hair and then, oh, wait, they have facial hair again? Like, we see that all the time. Why does it matter? Um, But that being said, when the movie first initially started up and I was and I knew going in that there was going to be sequences where they digitally took out the mustache. I probably was probably looking for it more than I needed to. And when they first started off with that cell phone footage, I thought to myself, oh, my God, this is going to be bad. I don't know how much (laughs) they reshot with Superman, but if this is what I'm going to look at every single time they saw Superman's face, I'm going to have a massive problem with this. And like in the larger scheme of things, that cell phone video, I I think they could have just cut out. I don't really feel as if it was necessary um, I get what they were trying Agreed. to accomplish with what they were doing. They were trying to make Superman that symbol of hope, so that when Batman references as Superman is that symbol of hope that we all uh, you know that we all need. When he references that later, I know that that's what they were doing. They were calling back to that video so that they could do that because honestly, in the previous films, they didn't establish him as the symbol of hope that he needed to be. So they needed to add something in there to make it seem as if he actually is a symbol of hope and not a symbol of destruction and murdering his villains um so the thing is um i so so the mustache thing outside of honestly that first video i didn't actually even notice it and trust me there were scenes where they were getting close up in his face and i was like studying the screen as hard as i possibly could trying to figure out (laughs) whether or not he had the the mustache or not but i honestly didn't even notice it outside of that first video which i feel could have just been taken out completely um outside of that the other thing that i really enjoyed about superman was the fact that there was powers here that were shown that we didn't previously see uh there was specifically um cold breath we have never seen up to this point. 
um, in either Man of Steel or Batman vs Superman that was shown when he uses the freeze breath to actually freeze Steppenwolf's axe, and then Wonder Woman mm. chops the axe in half. That was really cool. To that see was cool. His, it was one of those powers where it's like, why hasn't he used it? I mean, like he could have used that uh, at, at a variety of different times in the previous mm. films, but for whatever reason, mm. they just chose never to use that power. So I thought that was cool. And I also thought it was cool that they actually made it seem like. He is just as fast as the Flash. Obviously, we have the post credit scene, which we'll get into a little bit later. But there's this the initial fight when he comes back and he's evil and he's fighting against the Justice League. And Flash is like racing towards him. And suddenly you see him and he just like you, he moves his eyes. And then Flash is like, what is going on? And then he's like, oh, by the way, I'm just as fast as you. And I was like, they've never shown that really either. Yes, he can fly really fast. Yes, They've shown him move very fast, but they have never actually shown how fast he really is. And by having Flash in the movie and being able to show the comparison of, hey, he's just as fast as the Flash, that was really cool to see because – and it wasn't just that one sequence either. You also had the same sequence where they're racing the the citizens. That was really cool. And then the post credit scene. So, like, they're they're – showing that he has these other powers that for whatever reason they chose never to really focus on or you know explain in the in the past um there was actually there's actually sequences in batman vs superman where if they showed the fact that he was super fast there would have been giant plot holes as to why couldn't he have gotten there as fast as he did if he is that fast so it's one of those things where it's like do they purposely not show that he was he had that power so that their plot wouldn't get ruined I don't know. I don't understand how you know how you get away with not showing a character's one of the character's powers, but it mm. is what it is. Um, the overall characterization of Superman. I mean, I didn't have any real issues. I, I did not like Superman in Man of Steel. I really didn't like Superman in Batman vs Superman. Superman here, I I loved it. I mean, there there was this was. If, if anything, if Superman had to die so that he could get back to being this classic you know, hunky-dory, all-American superhero, I'm fine mm-hmm. with that. Um, I think that Henry Cavell, from the very beginning, has wanted to do this version of Superman. And for whatever reason, like, he expected going into Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, that's who he was playing. Uh, I remember reading multiple comments between last year and this year of him, like, giving interviews and people asking him questions about Superman. I remember reading a variety of things where he said, we're going to get to the classic version of Superman at some point. I really want to do that classic version of Superman. That's what I expected to do. And I'm glad that they actually were able to get to that point because I don't want the dark Superman who's tortured by the, 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 you know, the same stuff that in some cases Batman's been tortured by the world, Mm. you know, his planet being destroyed is not something that it's something that can weigh on him, but he never knew anything about his world. It's like saying, you know, going to somebody and saying, Hey, by the way, did you know that you're adopted and the family that you previously had burned in a fire? You don't have any emotional connection. (laughs) You don't have an emotional connection to those people. You never knew them. Yeah. So it's not something where you're going to be like, you're going to become this dark, grim character like Batman does because he's, you know, 12 years old and his parents are gunned down in front of him. It's a completely different thing. So there's no reason you should have the character be like that. And that's exactly how the character was portrayed in Man of Steel and to a degree in Batman vs. Superman. So I'm glad that that the the, the character is very different. Um, 
Um, great he, points, Dustin, by the way. Great points, mate. I totally agree. Can I just say he doesn't even have Marlon Brando telling him about his past like in exactly, Superman 1. Exactly. You know? That's the thing. Like, it, it's, it, it, it's mind-blowing how the, you know, how the character was characterized in, in the first two films that he appeared in. Um, outside of Superman, uh, I'll just leave the floor open. If there's any other characters that you guys want to just briefly mention that you thought, uh, you know, that you have any comments about, whether it be good or bad, is there anybody else outside of the main league? Um, we'll get to Steppenwolf in a second here. Um, mm. I don't really consider Steppenwolf a huge character in the film as much no. as I do a giant CG mess. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to Steppenwolf. But is there any other characters that appear that you have any likes or dislikes or comments that you guys like to make about them? Can I throw out a comment? I've got two. First, what was the um, reveal with uh, Christmas Allen? Because I completely missed it. I love that character. Where, where was that? Uh, so that film? actually happened when they first introduced Commissioner Gordon. He is actually walking through the police department, and, and there's a detective who walks up to him and says, mm-hmm. look, uh, Batman, uh, there, there's there's all these people who are being kidnapped by these weird creatures, a kid saw one, drew a picture of it. The picture looked like it could have been Batman, but it was really a parademon. Oh, yeah. And that was that detective was Christmas Allen. He was he was recognized as as Christmas Allen. So it was, it was very brief and like it was one of those blink if you blink and you miss it. But that's when it happened. To be fair, cool. I didn't realize I, um, it was him. Yeah, I didn't realize yeah. it was him until I saw the credits. Yeah. I'd really like to see in Matt Reeves' uh, Batman a series at some point them do the Christmas Allen Montoya, like them have a mo- you know, a bit of the story, like a subplot or something. I, th- I really like those two characters a lot. Um, my other uh, thing that I want to draw attention to, because on Signal of Doom, my co-host Stu has p- taken plenty of shots at Amber Heard coming in to play Mira. Now, I find Amber Heard one of the most attractive women in the world, but I've got to say... Um, Stu has often called her a beautiful shell. I didn't like her acting from what I saw. I've never seen her really act. I know that she was married to Johnny Depp for some time. Got to say that acting didn't blow me away, but she is beautiful, so maybe that'll be enough. I, so I'd be interested to get your comments, guys, on um, Amber Heard as Mira. Amber, she, she looked great. Um, I don't mm. know Mira as a character terribly well, and I don't. she doesn't really <laughs> get a lot to do. She's really there to sort of convey a few lines of dialogue and a bit of information, and... It's a means to get him the trident. That's all she's really there. Um, yeah. And she was she was fine for what she was there to do. I mean, I, I'm looking forward. She, to she punched her lines basically. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Um, well, let's let's see what she does. And I don't think it's fair to really judge until she actually has a movie to really play the role in. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens next year with with the Aquaman movie. Um, for what she was given mm. to do, I had no issue with it there. They actually kind of forgot she was in the movie until he said something. <laughs> um, I never forget Amber Heard. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, as for anybody else, I mean, no one else really had a lot of screen time. Um, I was a little disappointed that they gave Lois Lane so little to do. I mean, she's there to serve a purpose, but other than that, she's really just there to kind of mourn. And I don't think that that's really Lois Lane, like the fact that she's not really working as a journalist and she's just doing these fluff pieces. I mean, that's that's not Lois Lane. So yeah, I would have... I would have liked if they had had her more as a reporter out in the world or, you know, why not send her to uh, why not send her to Russia? She's investigating something going on there. And that's where that's where she runs into the parademons and all that stuff. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with that character that they decided just not to do. She's there to mourn Superman's death and that's it. Um, as opposed to everybody else. I mean, that's no one else really had any time to really to do anything. I mean, I think that mm. it's nice that Diane Lane had a had a quick moment there, but that's that's really it. There was really no one else in the movie. 
There's the family that are running away in that ridiculous, like, uh, subplot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking to Mira, I'll say this. Uh, I didn't have any major issues. I mean, I honestly, I don't think there's enough to, like, base off what we saw. Uh, She did not blow me away by any means but i don't i mean like like uh paul said i don't know uh, i don't know a a ton about mira as a character so i can't sit there and say this is a good portrayal or a bad portrayal i've only i only have what i have read in the pages recently in uh justice league how she has been appearing in justice league but um outside of that book i don't have a whole lot to go off of as far as her characterization whether or not it's good but i do agree that we probably wait until aquaman and see what happens there um i have seen a few of the movies that she has been in she's She's honestly, I, I, I'll, I'll say, like, she's not amazing. She's not an amazing actress by any means. She's attractive, yeah. but I don't think by any means that uh, the 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 level of your attractiveness should land you roles in <laughs> you know major roles in movies by any it means. Does, though, I, unfortunately, I know it does. I know it does. <laughs> but it's unfortunate, and that's what's unfortunate is I just don't, I don't, I don't look at it like that. I think like you have to be a good actress. Sure, if the if the the role deems that you need to be attractive, sure, but you shouldn't be hired on just your attractive level. You should be hired if you can actually act well too. So, um, so so that that's that. As far as Lois Lane goes, I definitely agree that they could have used her more. She could have been uh, when they when they referred to her as the key in Batman vs Superman. She she could have been used in a yes as the big guns as they did it, but they could have also used her as a way where. You know, I agree there's no way her as a character, especially based off of the version from the comics, that she would have that Superman would have died and she just would have become, you know, the the weeping uh, widow or weeping fiance, for that matter, of, uh, you know, of of Superman. It just wouldn't have been her. She would have, if anything, busied herself with tons of work because that's how that character is. She's not somebody who's going to just, you know, mope. That's not that's not Lois Lane. Lois Lane is somebody who whose father is a army general, she's not going to just sit back and be like, oh, he's dead. Like, it's not going to happen. I so agree with you, Dustin. Like, that is so the opposite. I mean, I know nothing about Mera, but I know a lot about Lois. And I've got to say, Lois is one of my favorite characters in, you know, in comics. Uh, she would never do fluff pieces for like a year. That is so not Lois. She's the opposite of that. She'd be trying to go into the heart of the story and doing hard-hitting journalism. and also, She'd be doing everything but just moping. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, if anything, like she could have been a much bigger tie to some of these other storylines. Like the whole hmm. situation that happened at Star Labs with the people going missing, instead of having some random news piece about the lady who needed to keep swearing about aliens probing her husband, they could have had her, Lois Lane, inter- or, you know, not interviewing, but doing uh, an article about the missing people at, at Star Labs. Or eventually she could have been involved with the the, the weird disturbance that was happening in Russia or, you know, so, like they could have tied her to a bunch of these different things. And she could have been a much bigger key than just the person who was bringing Superman back down to reality from the evil version that awoke when he came back to life. They could have had her be the actual key to finding out where and what was actually going on. Um, and that would have been much better for her, her character in the film. Um, outside of those characters, um, the only other thing that the, there's nobody really else that was in the film that I was, you know, you know, thinking was amazing. Um, the only other, com- the only other thing I wanted to bring up 
was, you know, there was the sequence of the Amazons with the mother box. Mm. And the thing that I want the thing I want to talk about real quick is um, there was a thing that I saw online talking about the difference between what the Amazons wore in the movie One Woman and what the Amazons wore in in Justice League. Uh, and there was a comment, there was pictures of this floating around online for like two weeks prior to the film. And I didn't, I honestly thought to myself, so basically the picture was them wearing their armor in the first film. It was basically, you know, they had full breastplates covered up everything. They did wear skirts, but it was definitely battle skirts. It wasn't like anything like that. Yeah, and it was very exactly. metal. There was a lot of metal in their armor. Suddenly, when we skip to uh, Justice League, which actually takes place 100 years into the future, suddenly their armor becomes leather pieces and not like not like black tight leather, but just like typical brown leather from that era of time that you would associate them with. But there's suddenly all the metal's gone and except for their their uh their headbands that they wear and a couple of small details on their outfits but all of a sudden their entire midsection their midriffs are are completely exposed <laughs> and there was a lot of people online who were complaining about you know why would why would these amazon warriors be battling with their midriffs exposed that doesn't make any sense for a warrior and i would completely agree with that i just have to say there that i completely agree that there would be no reason you would ever in your wildest dreams have the characters wearing wearing an outfit like that it doesn't make any sense and it, it does feel as the people were pointing out that they were trying to sex up the amazons for the purpose of the film which is it honestly is a disservice to what one woman did as a film to hmm. for for the female characters in this in this uh this universe uh, Dustin, can I jump in? Sorry, midway through what you were saying, which I really agreed with, my actual connection dropped in and out, but I'm, I'm back now. But I, I, I picked up the general gist of what you were saying uh, in terms of the change in outfits. I, I agree um, that I feel like this is what they call, like, I'm no expert on on, on feminist studies, but, like, the male gaze, um, Zack Snyder definitely is kind of framing that when he he dresses them. When you look at the two versions, the one, the Amazons from Wonder Woman, who, as you say, are battle armour, they're literally in armour, and then you compare it to when you actually see the sort of more bikini-style um, version in in Justice League, it is kind of inexcusable in a way because Patty Jenkins did such a good job with Wonder Woman. But, I, but this points to a major problem with this movie, which is that when Batman Superman came out, uh, he was already shooting Justice League and he was already going his own direction. He had a lot of power at the time. And I think that what we got here is just that inevitable compromise between his vision as the overriding director at the time. Um, it's it's disappointing and I think people are right to pick it up. I'm a, I'm a huge Wonder Woman fan and really enjoyed that movie. That said, um, guys, I... I mean, I, I'm sometimes a bit of a lazy viewer. I didn't really notice it in the in the in the in the film, but that's because I'm conditioned to not notice that kind of thing. Like there is, if we're if we're asking ourselves, is it sexist? Yes, it's sexist. You know what I mean? Um, I sometimes, if you, if if I break it down that far, it is a sexist thing. Unfortunately, we're so conditioned to accept it that I didn't even notice it. But I'm glad it was picked up and noticed. And I'm sure in Wonder Woman two, Paige Jenkins will go her own direction. Um, sorry if I if I ran over some of your points because I did cut out whilst you were talking, but um, um so that's no, all I've got to say. No, yeah, no, you definitely didn't walk over anything I said. It, it, I mean, like it's just one of those things where I probably wouldn't, and I'll admit, I probably wouldn't have noticed it that much 
at or at all unless somebody else pointed it out to me after the fact if it wasn't for seeing the picture that was floating around online beforehand and i just kept thinking to myself well, that's a big oversight i mean and i agree yes one woman or uh justice league was already filming after uh batman vs Superman came out they literally started production like two weeks after um Batman vs. Superman came out. So this movie was already done. Like they already were in pre-production before all that. The one disconnect I have is that Wonder Woman, the film was filmed and finished before Batman vs. Superman came out. So there should have been at least the continuity in, you know, as a producer of maybe Wonder Woman and Justice League, maybe you should have thought to yourself, maybe there should be some more continuity between the two costumes or the sets of costumes that these characters are wearing between the two films or if you're going to chalk it up to, well, there's a hundred years difference in, in time frame, So maybe their costumes could change fine, but you don't downgrade from battle armor to leather bikini types type outfits. It just, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, now, if they were, were going to do the bikini outfits, you know, in the super ancient 5,000 year battle between them and Steppenwolf, that would make a little bit more sense because that's a little bit more of a, a pr- primitive era where you could have maybe made that made made sense with that, but not in the current time frame of of everything that's happening. All right, so sure. the real so quick, going to say yeah, one quick thing just to add to that. Um, like I I agreed. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like they had wardrobe and costume design and all these things for the Amazons already and done for for Wonder Woman, and it's a shame that they didn't just stick with that. That said, I didn't find anything with the Amazons nearly as gratuitous as the shot of uh diana when she's in her civilian gear there's a nice shot of her behind when oh, she's yeah. getting out of the yeah. car that was <laughs> i noticed that too <laughs> as, as anything um yeah certainly that was a real ass shot that really was like let's really check out wonder woman's ass like, that's the whole thing and it's one of the things about <laughs> wonder woman is at no point did they sexualize her for that whole movie and then you have a different director in a different movie and at the first opportunity she's you know it's she's wearing leather pants and and they have a she's her butt is like in three quarters of the screen. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> All right. So the last one, last character I want to talk about before we get into some of our other things to talk about is Steppenwolf as a villain. Um, a lot of this, a lot of uh, I'm going to let you guys talk first because I know I could probably go on and you guys might have some of the same points that I have. But Steppenwolf as a villain, how did you guys feel? OK, well, um, for me, Steppenwolf. Uh, was underwhelming and he only got more so Uh, like I enjoyed the first sequence with the Amazons I really enjoyed that whole sequence and I didn't really mind stepping off there I thought he looked cool Um, I'm not really familiar with uh, the new gods other than what I've seen on the Justice League cartoon and ironically enough I watched one of the Justice League cartoons I think the episode was called Twilight and Steppenwolf appears for about two seconds at the start and gets blown up and that's how threatening Steppenwolf is in that cartoon but for some reason which I never will understand, that they said, let's just make Steppenwolf the whole villain and he'll have a gaggle of cannon fodder parademons and no one else. Um, And as the movie wore on and I felt like it got more and more video gamey with the script, like it felt like a cut scene a lot of the time from a video game when Steppenwolf was having his moment with the boxes and stuff. I just never felt he was really much. And then at the end, he's whimpering kind of thing when Superman's about to kick his ass along with the rest of the league. And I was like, man, this guy is such a disappointment as a villain. Like if I was Darkseid, his boss, I would just use those beams that come out of Darkseid's eyes and just annihilate him. He is useless. Um, uh, it's not – but one thing I will say is I thought it was voice acted very well. I thought the guy had a good vo- sense of sort of theatre. Um, he was playing it okay, for, and 
I'm not familiar with Steppenwolf. I'd never, I thought he was a monster. But like, to be honest, I don't think I've ever read him in a comic ever. He, he seemed more like a human, though, in the cartoon. I don't know, underwhelming as a villain. He needed more support. I think if it had been Steppenwolf and, for example, Dasad, who I know from some of the comics, which is Darkseid's torturer, or, or potentially the Darkseid himself, and Steppenwolf was just one of the gang sort of thing, like one of the henchmen, it would have been better. But it really felt like it was a henchman getting a main gig, and he just wasn't up to it. He, he, if you can't beat the league by yourself, then what is the point? And he really just didn't have the power set to beat Superman. As soon as Superman turned up, he was like, uh-oh, I'm, I'm done. Um, yeah, so that was a failure, I think, of the script as much as anything and, and probably a concession to the runtime, which had had to be under two hours, according to the CEO or whatever of Warner's had said it had to be. I think they went with a very basic villain. Um, I, I was disappointed that there was no dark side <coughs> or there was one mention I, I sort of hoped that at some point there would be a reveal of Darkseid and Steppenwolf was just like the lead-up act. But no, Steppenwolf was the guy, and for me as a villain, extremely underwhelming. That's my views. As I agree with everything you just said. Um, Thank the you. The CGI <laughs> in particular was absolutely for Steppenwolf. Um, I don't think that his lips synced up with the dialogue once in the whole movie. Um, and as a villain, he was very... Big monster comes to Earth, needs some sort of artifact, destroy the Earth for reasons. And the one thing that I'm kind of glad at looking back at it is, is that they referenced Darkseid quickly, but I am so thankful that they didn't try to shoehorn anybody else into this movie. Mm. Um, because with everything else going on, you've got to set up the team, you've got to bring back Superman, you've got to do all these different things. Um, for the movie they wanted to tell, could they have done a better job setting up the villain? Absolutely. But if you were going to just make a cookie cutter monster villain, have them come to Earth, do their thing and leave. Um, I'm really glad that they went a bit more obscure and didn't waste a good villain as opposed to like bring Darkseid to Earth. And this is your cinematic shot at doing Darkseid. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they took what I think the big problem was, is I think Marvel has beat them to the punch with setting up Thanos, which is very, very, very similar for multiple for multiple reasons to uh, to Darkseid. So I think they wanted to stay away from that. So they figured they just they'd set up Steppenwolf, let him do his thing, and then they'd move on to something else. Um, and as a villain or a monster or a threat for the team to deal with, um, it did the job as well as it could have, considering that they didn't want to spend any time setting up any kind of backstory or making the character a character he's really just this thing that shows up i mean they really could have just had doomsday show up do the exact same stuff and it would have been the same hmm. well i would agree about the cg uh, i definitely believe that the the stuff that was everything that we saw was was not very good it honestly felt as if they got to a point where they had spent too much money and suddenly they had to take a cheaper route with the cg um and that was evident also with the crazy mustache removal stuff as well um it just it didn't look very good there was plenty of other things that looked really good a lot of the stuff anything that had to do with the flash when we in the super slow motion that stuff looked amazing but that stuff was probably planned from the very very beginning because that is technically some of the stuff that Zack Snyder's always known for doing is a lot of that slow-mo stuff. Um, that stuff had no problem, but it was when it came to the villain and it came to uh, the, the CG that they used for the villain, it was, it was very bad. Now here, here's, here's the, the, the plus and minus about running a site for as long as I have. Um, I 
initially when Man of Steel came out, I'm gonna, this is a brief <laughs> history lesson for those of you who have not been been fans of all of these films or have followed the news since basically 2013. But here's a quick synopsis of what happened since 2013. So Man of Steel came out uh, a month and a half after Man of Steel came out. Comic-Con happened where Zack Snyder had ha- Harry Lennox come out and hint at a Batman vs Superman movie. Warner Brothers technically officially announced it at Comic-Con. And then it was a couple months later that they announced that Ben Affleck was going to be Batman and Batman vs Superman. And initially the film was planned for a release in 2015. Summer of 2015 was when Batman vs Superman was supposed to release in 24 or 2015. What happened was uh, they they at that point they had pushed Batman vs Superman back to 2016. It was going to ha- release in March at that point, they announced the, the slate of DC films. It was supposed to be Batman vs. Superman um, in, 20, in 2016 in March, and then there were going to be Suicide Squad in the summer. 2017 was going to be Wonder Woman and Justice League Part 1. 2018 was going to be Flash and then Aquaman. 2019 was going to see Justice League Part 2. Now, if you remember correctly, it was planned, as Snyder had said in multiple interviews when Batman vs. Superman came out, that Just League Part 1 and Just League Part 2 was initially supposed to be the second and third parts of the trilogy that he was starting with Batman vs. Superman. If you went into this movie with the expectation that this was a standalone film, then you probably had some issues with the plot. You most likely had a lot of issues with the villain. Um, this movie was initially meant to be a setup to Darkseid being in part two. Um, that was, I believe, always the original intent of Zack Snyder was to get to the point where we see Darkseid in part two, which would have been in 2019, which just so happened to be happening right around the same time that Marvel initially had Avengers part or Avengers 3 Part 1 coming out, which was also supposed to uh, involve Thanos. Now Avengers 3 is coming out next year, and that, which was originally Part 1 and Part 2, is is, is now two separate Avengers films altogether. But the idea was, I believe, that at the time, DC and Zack Snyder were racing to get to 2019 to have Darkseid as the big bad to show that Darkseid was a much bigger and better villain than Thanos as Thanos was appearing over in Avengers. I think that was the entire intent. Um, And that falls in line with getting Steppenwolf here. Uh, As you both said, Steppenwolf is, to a degree, a lackey. Not even the lackey. He's just a lackey as a group of all of the other people that work underneath Darkseid. I'm talking uh, Calabac, Desaad, Granny Goodness, the entire group of Furies. I mean, there's a lot of characters that... Steppenwolf is just in the same in the same bracket as he's not any better. He's not like the lieutenant, in my opinion, of Darkseid. He's just one of the characters that's part of the group of of uh, new gods that's that's underneath Darkseid. Knowing that Steppenwolf was it, and their intent was to go Darkseid, I was ex- I was actually uh, upset knowing that because the thing is, Darkseid is like the epitome of the Just League villain. He is the ultimate Just League villain. You can't go the route of having Darkseid be the villain for Justice League and then go from there. You get to the top. Everything after that is not. It, it in some degree, it's it's almost as if it's almost like comparing. Uh, the Dark Knight with the Joker and the Joker being Batman's ultimate villain, as as most people consider, um, then immediately the the, the follow up film has Bane. 
Some people like Bane. Some people don't like Bane. But the reality of it is Bane is probably not nearly as well known or acknowledged as a A-list villain compared to the Joker or in the same bracket as the Joker. You just you, you can't. It's hard to follow up somebody, especially like Heath Ledger, who did an amazing job in the role of the Joker with mm. villain that's not as well known with, you know, the way it was. It's just it's very difficult. So if you go the route of having Darkseid appear as the main villain in Just League Part 2, where do you go from there? You, you just stop making movies. You have to plan more long term. Marvel has done it in a unique way where they've been hinting at Thanos for years, but by the time he actually shows up, it's going to be over 10 years from the initial beginning of the universe, not just three or four years after, you know, they first make the the first film of this group. So the problem is that that's their initial intent. Uh, you know, the initial intent was get to dark side. You can tell that at some point they decided maybe we shouldn't be going towards dark side, but Steppenwolf was still the main villain. They had already been too much into production when they decided this. Um, I remember distinctly last year um, at some point when they, I believe it was after Comic-Con when they they released the initial trailer at Comic-Con last year, I distinctly remember um, marketing and some interviews talking about how, no, we're not doing Justice League Part 1 and Justice League Part 2. It's just Justice League. It's just one Justice League film. We may make a sequel for Justice League, but that is the film we're doing right now is just Justice League. And that made perfect sense because I didn't want them to go the route of let's do Part 1 and Part 2. If you look at this film, the way it was produced as Part 1 of 2, it actually makes a heck of a lot more sense that Steppenwolf is the villain. But it's not part one anymore, but Steppenwolf still was the villain. And honestly, Steppenwolf as a villain is not really that great. Uh, I, I found it a little bit. The other problem is if you look at Steppenwolf as a villain, as it's portrayed here, the Justice League without Superman are unable to take down Steppenwolf. But as soon as Superman shows up, then then the, the tide turns and suddenly the Justice League has the upper hand. When you eventually then just end up getting to Darkseid, unless you add a number of members to the Justice League between in that short time, how is it explained that Darkseid is actually that much more powerful than Steppenwolf if he's taken down by the Justice League collectively and Superman's part of it too? The only way it would have worked is if you didn't have Superman involved and it was just the combination of the team was able to take down Steppenwolf. Superman comes back in part two, and maybe that was the initial intent by Snyder. That was maybe what he had planned, and then Darkseid was supposed to be overthrown by the return of Superman. I, I don't know exactly how it goes, because we don't have the actual script that Zack Snyder was filming, and then the adjustments that were made later on in the story. That all being said, I don't think that Steppenwolf was meant to be what he was in this film. I mean, as a standalone villain, it's it's a very weak villain. I don't think it needed to have the entire league come together as well as Superman coming back from the dead in order to take down Steppenwolf. He just didn't even come across as that big of a threat other than just a physical threat as they portrayed it, but not as a, he's, you know, super strategic. He's planning this massive attack, nothing like that. It was just like, he's a physical threat. So we need a physical character who I guess is more powerful than, well, no, they showed it as more powerful than Wonder Woman and Aquaman. We need somebody more powerful than that, so we need Superman to come back in order to turn the tides. If they went the route of Darkseid later on, or if they chose to keep it with a part one and part two, and they did it the way they did it here, I don't know how Darkseid would have actually been able to be believed as a bigger threat than Steppenwolf was if it was just the same exact team. You you could do this much further down the line and add a heck of a lot more members 
And as this movie pointed out a couple different times, that is entirely possible because, you know, when Bruce uh, says the thing about a big table and Wonder Woman says with spaces for, you know, he's like with uh, six yeah. with six seats and she says with space for more, it made perfect sense that the league could get bigger, that you could add more members, that the addition of more members of the Justice League and then you have the bigger threat of, of Darkseid later on. That makes perfect sense, and I could see that happening. But the way I think Snyder initially envisioned what he wanted to do, I think it became something completely different because they realized, wait, maybe we shouldn't race towards the biggest bad that the Just League has ever seen. Dustin, I've got a quick point, mate. Um, Did you think, though, I I just thought to myself, would you have liked to have seen a scene at the end, for example, after Steppenwolf, you know, get sucked away or whatever happened to him of dark side on apocalypse, like glowering with his eyes, you know, burning or something like that. Cause I mean, dark side from, I'm no expert on dark side, but he has those Omega beams that come out of his head. He's a pretty big threat. I think he can kind of kill almost everything with those beams. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're, they're definitely. There's no question about that. Mm. So would you, have, cause I sort of would have liked that. I'm not, t- I like very similar to the Avengers with Thanos. I would have thought maybe a, a scene with, with Darkseid on Apocalypse with maybe, you know, Granny Goddess or whoever her name is, like, next to him. Just something to give uh, people out there who don't know anything about the comics just, oh, wow, there's a way bigger villain in the background. But we didn't get that at all. Yeah, and I feel like if it was part one, part two, we probably would have gotten something like that or at least maybe mm. the end credit scene would have potentially been something like that. But I think that... The best way to do it would have been, you know, he gets pulled up through the boom tube. And like the other thing was they never really explained the boom tubes that well. It was it always came across as it had something to do with the mother boxes. But boom tubes, yes, they're related to the mother boxes, but not in the same technology way that they were they were explained in this film. Um, The boom tubes has always been a way for, you know, the the people from Apocalypse uh, to travel back and forth. And and there's other people who have had boom tubes as well that have traveled back and forth between the universes and things like that. Um, that, That's kind of a side note. But anyway, I think the best way to have done it would have been Seven Wolf gets pulled back through the boom tube and he gets, you know, he gets to wherever he is. You see this fiery, you know, brimstone world that we have that was hinted at in the past. And you basically see Darkseid sitting on his throne and you see maybe the backs of all of the other members of his group, like Calabac and Granny Goodness and the Furies and Desaad. And you see all these other characters, but you just see them from the backside. As a fan, you might know who they are, but you see it's a larger group of characters and you just hear Darkseid utter the words, you failed me or something like that. That makes sense where it's like maybe he sent him as a scout to potentially yeah. take over this, thinking that it wasn't going to be that difficult. But then he failed, and you know that he failed, and you know that he's got many more people he could send to Earth instead <clears throat> instead of just Steppenwolf. So I think something like yeah. that, yes, would have worked. But I think the importance of not doing that at this point, it would have felt I, – I think if you would have done it in the film right now, it would have felt as too much of a reactionary measure towards what Marvel's doing with Thanos. And I mean, if and I know that and I, I truly believe the initial intent of having Darkseid and the inclusion of Steppenwolf was reactionary to begin with to what Marvel was doing. But I feel as if you would have done a scene with Darkseid at all, whether it be him just saying something, whether it's just the back of his head, anything like that, it would have just felt reactionary towards what Marvel's doing. So I'm glad that they didn't do it in that way. Um, 
Obviously, there's a bigger threat. They they did name drop Dark Side at the very least. So mm-hmm. obviously, it, you know they're they're putting it out there that there is something worse than Steppenwolf. But I think that if they did anything more than just the name drop that they did, I felt I feel I honestly feel if it, it would just been reactionary. I think that's entirely Fair, it. Point. I think that's entirely it. I think Marvel kind of beat them to the punch with the Avengers. So if they did that at the end, they would have been accused of just copying what they did. And I think there's. They're under enough scrutiny already that I think they didn't just didn't want to go there. Um, it would have been awesome to see Darkseid show up at the end, and I kind of expected to, there to be something at the end, even if it was just um, Steppenwolf making a few comments about you know him failing Darkseid or whatever as he's pulled back into the boom tube at the end. But uh, it's probably best that they didn't go there and just all of that. For- all right, so now let's talk about um, overall outside of the characters. Um, let, let's let's briefly talk about anything that you liked about the film, like any pros that you had on the film that you you, you believe deserve a mention. Okay. Um, well, looking at it overall, uh, I think I mentioned already, I, I liked the end scene uh, with how it was set up in that uh, we wound ourselves back up in Wayne Manor um, and how that was going to be the new Hall of Justice, I guess. So I, I, I kind of enjoyed where they everyone wound up although it was a it was a very fast paced two hours um and i have had some some issues with the whole thing i i liked where the characters wound up and i actually really felt that given that Zack snyder has clearly moved away from this franchise now that they're in a decent position to to keep going uh so i i it was one of the situations where whatever issues i may have had with some elements of the film which i know i've discussed already i i really felt like the pacing was actually quite good, and it got us to a good end point. I think they've got a good chemistry between Batman and Wonder Woman. Um, they teased. I like that very brief tease of Green Lantern, which was just really to say, like, Green Lanterns exist in this universe. Here was one fighting thousands of years ago. You know, fill in the blanks, audience. Um, i.e., we all know, like any Justice League fans out there, and I'm certainly one, we know that it's like the big seven. Well, they very much said, like, there's six, but there's room for more which makes me think that there'll be another um, addition of Green Lantern at some point to make fill out the seven and then potentially make them a bigger roster. So, uh, I mean, just overall, I want to underline again, I felt there was good character work between all the actors. They had a good chemistry. Um, and I just feel like when we're moving to the future, they're actually not in bad shape. I know that financially the movie's not doing quite the numbers they want and it's quite divisive critically, but I still feel they're actually in pretty decent shape moving forward. So that, that would be kind of my big pluses from this, from this movie overall. I personally thought that the, uh, I agree. The pacing I thought was, it was, it was well paced. I thought it didn't linger too long on any one thing. Um, I thought that the, the big Trinity, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman were well served in the story. The, uh, the opening scene of, of Batman on the rooftop was, was great. I loved it. Um, and once again, it was so nice to see Superman return to what we, we know Superman to be because we just haven't seen it yet in this series. Um, and like I've said before, I think it just it did a great job of sort of establishing what the tone of the, the DC universe should be in these movies going forward, um, where they're not they're not focusing on how crappy to be a superhero like it did in, in some of the earlier movies where it's just, Hey, we're, we're out there. We're going to save people and it's going to be fun. And it's going to be an adventure. And I hope that, I hope that this isn't the end of putting these characters together. I mean, I think that the, the big fear with 
um, with the box office being what it seems to be for this movie is, is that they'd uh, focus on the solo movies and just not team them up at all ever again. And I hope that's not the case because I think that they've, I think they've seeded a lot of things very, very well. And I hope it can. The thing I liked the most about this film was the overall lighter tone. And I'm not one to sit here and say that you can't have a darker version of characters in general, but a lot of the characters that are part of the justice league outside of Batman should be much more light, much lighter. Um, the, there was a lot of humor. There was some humor that I think was, was fine and completely worked for the film. And I think there was other humor that clearly was added and not necessarily necessary and fell flat, uh, because they were trying to do a little bit more of a job of, of, of lightering, lighting the tone. Um, but I think in general, I enjoyed the fact that like, like you both said, the characters actually enjoyed doing what they were doing. It wasn't like, a a complaint. There wasn't any, like you, you, when you have, you have Batman versus Superman, you have Wonder Woman who's basically saying, I don't want to be involved in this battle at all. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And the only reason she comes back is because of doomsday, because she sees it on TV. And that's the only reason she comes back. Other than that, she doesn't have anything to do with being Wonder Woman. Um, she's not that character anymore. You have Superman who, um, to a degree, he is, he's insistent on the fact that Batman is this horrible person because he's a vigilante, but he never uses his actual reporting skills to actually figure out whether or not he actually is bad or good. Or, if, you know, I mean, like to a degree, yes, he, he did his investigation didn't actually lead anywhere other than where Luther wanted him to be led. But Batman comes across as a character. who's like, I don't really want to do this. I'm just forced to do this because Superman could be something horribly evil. Um, this doesn't feel like that at all. I mean, like none of the characters feel like they're being forced. Yes. Aquaman to a degree is reluctant, but for the most part, they all, they all are there to, you know, they're all there because they, they believe in saving the world. It's not, like Batman versus Superman, where Batman and Superman are there because they were manipulated into facing each other only so that Lex Luthor, I guess, could create dark uh, doomsday. I mean, like just saying that out loud makes it is, is kind of frustrating thinking about it. But um, <laughs> but it, like it just comes down to like these characters, they, they actually they're more enjoyable to to watch, because you know, become. And I think a lot of it has to do with the addition of Flash because he's a much lighter tone character and he's kind of like. In some ways, he's like the fanboy amongst us, uh, of us all. Like he's geeking out when it's Batman. He sees the bad signal. He's like, "Oh, that that that's your signal. That means you got to go, right?" Like he's he's the fanboy amongst the group. And it, like he had some great lines in the movie. Um, you know, he asked the question about uh, you know whether you know what's Batman's superpower, and Batman's like, "I'm rich," and I'm like. I mean, that's part of it. I mean, there's a lot more to it than that, but um, that's the simplification of it. So, I mean, like, I think the, overall the tone was was much better. I think the, the thing is the it was described by some critics as this was much more mainstream than the previous DC films outside of One Roman. Um, it was much more mainstream where, it, you know, there's moviegoers in general would enjoy it a lot more. Um, and I, I honestly agree with that. I think that people in general don't want to go to these movies just to basically be tortured by the emotional elements of these characters. They go to these movies to escape and you don't want to escape to the dark grim worlds of these characters. Batman can be a dark and grim character without it being some sort of horrible story. You have to have some sort of resolution where, you know, there is good in the world. If you leave a movie and all you think about is the bad in the world, like honestly, you leave Batman versus Superman and, Superman's dead. 
a horrible way to leave yeah. the movie. He's just dead. <laughs> like, great. You just spent two and a half hours of your life and you're leaving thinking about how one of your characters that you might have walked into the movie really liking is now dead. Like, you have to leave the movie like happy you i mean you don't want to go to a movie and leave a movie that's sad and honestly the majority of movies that have sad endings they they get ripped apart by fans and critics alike it's just how it is and even if it is somebody that actually is reflecting on what happened in the comics like superman's death the last thing you want is to hear all about you know you know death and destruction at the end of the film i mean like superman or man of steel to a degree is just like that i mean he kills zod because Zod is destroying everything, the entire world's being destroyed. But where, where's the hope at the end of the film? There is hardly any. This movie actually feels like there's hope throughout the film. It's not just you know at the end where it should be, but it also feels like Batman's trying to to get somewhere to get instill hope back into the world. He's trying to save the world. It's not just I'm trying to stop something. I'm not like there actually is more of a reason, you know, they talk about saving citizens and in, in the film itself. So, I mean, like I enjoyed that aspect of the film, I think more than anything else. Um, so talking about anything that you disliked, I'm sure there are a multitude of things that we've already talked about a bunch, but if there's anything that we haven't talked about that you truly disliked about the film, what is it? Um, well, look, I, I think I've already mentioned it lacked a compelling narrative uh, in a lot of ways and I really think this is a criticism that could be leveled. I was actually thinking this during the movie. That criticism um, that it's like a cheesy video game can apply to so many of these uh, big budget superhero movies. Like Avengers has a pretty cheesy, simplistic storyline. It just happens to work better than in this movie. Um, I would say the fight elements, the fight scenes were cool at times. But some of the same elements that felt flat in the trailer, such as Aquaman surfing down the roof, were no better when inserted into the flow of this movie. So that the, the moment that we found that they were going to go to some part of Russia where, you know, no one lives, I was like, I know exactly where we're headed and I know exactly we're going to see the trailer scenes. And when they were inserted into the movie, I was hoping that they would have been better than they appeared in the trailer, but I didn't feel they were. Overall, I, I actually feared this movie would be worse than what it was, but it never ascended to great heights. And I think DC and Warners are still playing catch up from a flawed start to their universe building. This is eventually another step out of that whole quagmire, and it is a fun experience. So don't get me wrong. it des- like This conversation with you guys has really made me think, yeah, you know what? I gave it 7 out of 10, and I'm sticking to that score. It is a 7 out of 10. It's not perfect, but it's not terrible either. Just don't expect a gripping story, kids. Um, that would be my main thing here. And I do want to say, in terms of just something I forgot to mention, it, it, something I actually liked, the scene with Wonder Woman and Batman where she adjusts his shoulder, that was one of my most favourite scenes in this movie and in the DC Universe overall. I thought that was a really great little moment between two such iconic characters. And I did feel like when I was in the cinema, I was like, man, we're so lucky to have moments like this being played on the big screen now instead of just in you know cartoons or video games or, or the comics themselves. like the mainstream audience is getting to see these really cool characters interact. So um, there is that. But, yeah, I mean, I had my criticism, which I've outlined. Thanks. That was uh, that was very well put, especially the, the Bruce and Diana moment I thought was I thought was great. Um, I thought the story, it, it did its job. It was fine. Um, I was happy to see there were no 
there were no moments like yeah, like in Batman versus Superman. As much as I love that movie, there is zero reason why they to be fighting. But the movie's called <laughs> Batman versus Superman, so they have to fight and they have to find a reason. I didn't find that in this. I mean, everything seemed to happen fairly organically. They set up why they would want to bring Superman back and with Batman's guilt and all of that. So I thought it worked pretty well. Really, my only big negative with the movie is that the villains and that the CGI makes that villain even worse than he would have been otherwise. I will say that my main my main issue with this is it goes back to the plot. I felt as if this was Act One and Two, but we didn't get the Act Three, or it's Act One and Three if you want to look at it a different way. And there's no Act Two. I feel like this is just the beginning of something else because initially it was supposed to be Just League Part One and Just League Part Two, um, and I think the villain is also. My biggest my biggest issue with it, um, Stephen Wolf. Like it, it, when you have as big of a group and as iconic of a group as the Just League, when you have a villain that I'd probably would say like ninety five percent of mainstream, maybe even higher, ninety five percent of mainstream audience has no clue who the villain is. That's that's a big red flag. Um, I mean that that's 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 a huge problem when you have an iconic group coming together, and and you could argue that to a degree when Avengers happened, you didn't like you, you, you might not have known who the villain was and it didn't make a difference. And Avengers two came around and mainstream audience still didn't know who the main villain, you know, who the villain was before the film. And sure, I guess you could argue that I didn't know who the villains were in either one of those films, but I don't read Marvel. So, I mean, I guess you could argue that, but at the same time, like Marvel's limited on who they can use too, because they only have access to so many characters because Fox owns the rights to certain characters. Sony owns the rights to other characters. So they're, they're at a disadvantage to begin with because of the characters they have. But at the same time, you have the DC universe, which is all under the same umbrella. You can use whoever you want and you choose to use this. I mean, I was having, uh, when I was talking to my wife about the film after we saw it and I was sitting there saying like, you know, I can't honestly sit there and say that I'm a huge just league fan where I could name off a gazillion different villains that they could face. But I could certainly say that anybody out there who is mainstream audience probably knows at least something about the Legion of doom and knows that there's a group of villains that comes together with basically one villain from each one of the members of the just league as a, evil group of villains. I mean, like most people probably know about that. You have, uh, as far as like what outside of the Legion of doom and the other versions of it, like the injustice league, secret society of supervillains, things like that. There's also like the crime, uh, the crime syndicate, um, mm-hmm. or the, or you, you've got the, that would be cool. Dustin, the yeah, crime exactly. syndicate would be fantastic, man. And that's one of the things I would love to see. And they could do that completely as a one-off group of villains because you don't ever have to see them again. They come to earth, you know, earth prime or whatever you're going to call this Earth zero. And then that's it. They're defeated and they, they disappear. Like that would be amazing to see. So, I mean, like, I'm, I, I think that would be a good group. Uh, but then obviously, yes, you could go the route of dark side. You just don't have to have that as the end all be all of the, of, of the characters. There's a, t- like, I can't sit here and say there's a, a ton of threats out there, but even as individual threats or individual team ups of villains that aren't necessarily the Legion of doom or something like that. You have Joe, uh, Lex Luthor teaming with one other person or something like that and makes it a bigger threat. You don't necessarily have to have all the members of the Just League play in a prominent role in it, as they actually showed here with some of the characters didn't need to be as part uh, as big of a part as they needed to be. But it, 
it's just one of those things where it's like, I know that there's probably not a ton of things out there that they could do with the Justice League. But then again, you don't need to do a million Justice League films. You could do just a couple Justice League films. And then eventually, if you get to the point where you've decided you've worn out all other options, you could go the route to Darkseid. But I would never put Darkseid in the beginning of the situation. I would put that as like the the final chapter of it. And then from there, you don't do any Justice League films. You just do solo films or something like that because they've defeated the ultimate villain. They don't need to have, you know, they don't need to be as big of a group. You know, they don't need to be working as a team collectively in a movie together if they've already met their ultimate match. So that was, that. that's my, my, my major, my major problem with it. Um, it just, I could tell going into it that the intent of using this villain was to get to dark side. And now they still might do that some sometime in you know down the line but for now that's not in the plans and i just feel like that kind of hindered the story because of that all right the next thing i want to talk about is some of the easter eggs um as well as the post credit scenes so um before we get into the post credit scenes because we're going to talk about those together uh the one we 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 talked about christmas allen was there anything else that you saw in, in any part of the film that you thought, hey, that's a really cool Easter egg. Wow. You've really put me on the spot. I'm the worst at, at – I, I didn't see Christmas Allen coming. Um, I'm one of those guys in films who is constantly surprised by just about every little twist uh, there is. Uh, can, Dusty, can you please give me something, man, with uh, an Easter egg? Because I, I really didn't see much that made me think, oh, you know, oh, yeah, that's something that – well, I mean, like it doesn't. Service? Let's put it this way: it doesn't necessarily have to be a specific Easter egg where it's like this was okay. okay for I know, for example, this is a this is a this would probably be like the epitome of an Easter egg because it's so out there. But there was a point where Batman is, you know, he's going after that thief in the beginning of the film, and there's an actual billboard in the background that says Janus Cosmetics, which is a hint to Black Mask because. Yeah. Roman Sionis is his parents, his empire, his family's empire is built off of that company. So there's that, but that's not to say that that is what you need to come up with. I mean, like anything out there that you saw that you thought that's really cool. I mean, like one of the things that is not a huge Easter egg, but is just a cool moment that expands the universe is like the, the addition of the green lantern in the, the oh, battle yeah. between yeah. them. That's a really cool moment. It's not really something you have to like, study the screen for but you can definitely no. appreciate something like that because they're they're acknowledging that those that green lanterns exist out there which was kind of yeah. cool i've got a question because i know in the in the trailer he was like no lanterns he never actually says that in the cinema does he in the in no. the in the he never says movie, it. He, he actually never says the thing about kryptonians either he does say yeah. something about superman's dead and that's why he's there but there's a lot of stuff that clearly was cut out uh, there was a, a couple of different scenes in the trailers that were definitely cut out as well. Um, but he clearly says the thing about Green Lanterns because of that flashback that happened, you know, yeah. 5,000 years yeah. ago where there yeah. was a Green Lantern involved. Because I imagine a Green Lantern uh, would have been pretty handy for the Justice League um, in this movie. Like a Green Lantern, I could imagine, would have had a pretty good chance against Steppenwolf because from memory, Wonder Woman it was kind of like fighting him to like a narrow loss. You know what I mean? Like she wasn't going to beat him by herself, but she wasn't terrible, um, much like what she fought Superman. I, I, I don't know if it's an Easter egg, but I really enjoyed – well, I, I sort of wish I enjoyed it more. But the, the fight between Wonder Woman and Superman was very brief, but I sort of like that moment. Um, I guess I want to talk about the post credit scenes because, to me, they really stuck out. 
Um, I'm pretty bad at this kind of stuff. It reminds me of like in the Arkham games where you walk down a street and it's like Dixon Street or something like that, like that kind of stuff. But good spotting by you on the Janus Cosmetics. But I'm going to turn it over to Paul because I am a terrible at Easter eggs. I'm sorry, guys. That's no problem. I appreciated that uh, the attention to detail, especially like in the rooftop scene where Batman, yeah, you see the uh, the Janus Cosmetics billboard. I, I missed that. But I, I did see I did see the Ace Chemicals in the background. Yeah. So it was nice to see well, that again. I think I saw the Iceberg Lounge. Did either of you see that? I if if it was there, I, I missed it. I, I mean, I tr- when they were in Gotham, I was I was trying to scan the screen as much as possible, see anything I could. Um, so I mean, it's entirely possible it was there. It's one of those things where when I go back for my second viewing, I'm definitely going to be keeping a b- bigger eye out for that kind of stuff. That's all because the first time I just try to absorb as much as I can for what the film is, but the second time I'm always searching for everything i possibly can good point yeah that's what i'll be uh, that's what i'll be doing on time too uh i guess there's a mention of the penguin that's an easter egg is it like it, it yeah. sort of talks yeah. back to previous yeah. times when he fought uh, they say the thing about wind up penguins and that's a reference definitely to batman returns to a degree hmm. um but yeah i mean like I, I won't say that there's a ton of easter eggs it's one of those things where they're I think there probably has been more Easter eggs in some of the other films. And maybe there'll be a bigger list that comes out of about Easter eggs after the movie, you know, after the movie's been out for a little bit longer, but mm. I, I have not, I, I didn't see a ton of stuff uh, there. I did see an article published um, about Easter eggs, but the list was kind of like, it was like seven things that was in justice league. And out of the seven, I think like five of them were, just kind of ho hum, like, well, okay, anybody could have saw that. It's not really an Easter yeah. egg, um, including the Green Lantern thing. But so let's talk about the post credit scenes, though. Um, so real briefly, because I, I don't have a lot to say about this one, let's talk about the Flash Superman. So we have Flash and Superman getting to go, you know, basically racing to, to decide who's fastest. I thought that was a really cool, unique scene. Here in the States, Just League Action, which is a cartoon that's currently airing on Cartoon Network, uh, they actually aired an episode just this past Saturday or just the day after the film officially came out, which actually had Flash and Superman racing. And I'm sh- and I'd love to sit there and say that it was by design and it entirely could have been. But it was just maybe a coincidence <laughs> that 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 episode actually released. It was a brand new episode it hadn't aired before, so it definitely could have released at that time. But I thought it was kind of cool watching the cartoon and thinking, hey, that just happened in the movie. Um, but I don't have a lot to say. I mean, I know it's a throwback to. The comics, it's happened in a variety of different cartoons and animated shows and things like that. Um, but I don't, I, I mean, other than a cool little moment, I I mean, I don't have a lot to say. Do you guys have anything to say about that? I mean, I, I really enjoyed it because I think it's, I think, I mean, how many times leading into this film did we hear people from the cast and, and Snyder say, it's a sense of joy, yada, yada, yada. They kept repeating it like a mantra. But you know what? This scene is exactly that because what's more fun than Superman and Flash running because it's that age-old argument. If Superman can beat Flash, why is Flash, you know, what's so cool about Flash? And it's a circular argument and there never really should be a winner. It's always should be some sort of a draw. And it made me smile because when I got into comics like heavily in the late 90s, um, I, I bought at some point along the way a Superman versus Flash trade paperback and it's a collection of all their races across, you know, the, the time span of the comics. So it starts off the real classic races and goes to 70s, 80s and stuff. And I always had a soft spot for that little debate. So um, that also sounds like great brand synergy, uh, Dustin. They had a, a, a uh, race on the cartoon, which I haven't actually watched just League Action. I would like to sit down and watch it and see if it's any good because um, I've heard mixed reports. 
But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just a cool little, cool little scene, and I'm sure you know, you know what I saw with my girlfriend and actually her mother as well, and they really liked that scene. They thought it was really funny, so it worked in that sense. I liked the scene. Don't get me wrong; like it is, it's it's a neat throwback to what they've done over and over and over again in the, in the comics and cartoons and everywhere else. I just kind of felt that it was a bit out of nowhere. Like they didn't they didn't set up enough of a rivalry or relationship between Superman and the Flash to really pay that off in any way like it's it's a neat moment it's it's it really is it's it's just like the avengers eating shawarma at the end of the first move um it's a fun little moment i just felt that there were other moments that they could have paid off like they could have had they could have had cyborg and uh the flash going to brunch or something like that some little moment that they set up earlier in the movie where it's and, and and pay that off in a little scene rather than something that happens in the last 10 minutes of the movie and then pay that off yeah yeah, like I said, I, I don't have a whole lot to add to what you guys said. I mean, it did feel very much like the Avengers Swarma. Um, and maybe it was something that was added after the fact by Joss Whedon. Um, I do remember when Batman vs. Superman came out and the question was, is there a big credit scene or is there an end credit scene? I remember Zack Snyder distinctly out going out there and saying, no, there is not. We're not Marvel. We're not doing that. This isn't This isn't Marvel. And I thought it was slightly I, I odd that this movie. Mistake. Yeah, I mean, Sorry. I agree. I agree. Um, this movie, on the other hand, it, I mean, it's entirely possible that these scenes that ended up happening with the Flash could have been added after the fact, after Zack Snyder left. And then the final scene, uh, which we'll just get into right here, um, that scene could have been added, or not added, but it could have happened at some other point and then just became the end credit scene. And that scene is actually probably one of my favorite scenes of the entire film. Um, so the scene starts off with uh, Lex Luthor, who's supposedly locked in jail, and uh, he's being told to leave his cell. He's not leaving. The uh, guard, prison guard, goes up to him, finds out it's not it's not Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor has escaped, and somebody else has been sitting inside of his cell for a while. Then we cut to a boat, a speedboat that is heading towards a massive yacht that is clearly well beyond the means of most people. Um, and uh, the person on the speedboat is actually Slade Wilson Deathstroke. And he mounts, or he gets up onto the boat or the yacht, and Lex Luthor is sitting there. Lex Luthor says, so uh, I'm sure you heard our friends are creating a, a league. Maybe it's time for us to create a league of our own. Now, when I saw that, I had goosebumps. I was like, oh, this is going to be so great. Because when I think of the Just League facing off against a group of villains, whether it be the Legion of Dune Doom, or in this case, most likely what they're hinting at is the Injustice League, because uh, both Lex Luthor and Deathstroke were part of the Injustice League. Um, mm. That is something I'd, I'd, I would rather see that way more than seeing Steppenwolf um, or even Darkseid to a degree, because I, I mean, like Darkseid could be a cute, is, is a huge threat to the Justice League, but you can't have those character moments like you can with these other villains. Mm. And you can't have, you know, when you have a league of villains, whether it's the Legion of Doom, like I said, the Secret Society of Supervillains, you know, all of those those groups, you have you can have the ability to like see these character interactions between characters you would never even imagine them coming together. Like you could have Joker as part of the Injustice League as he was in the comics as well, where you have him interacting with Lex Luthor. That is a cool thing to see. That is something that Outside of the comics, we've never really been able to see. Sure, it's been explored here and there in cartoons, but to see that in live action, that would be amazing. I mean, like, there's no question about it. So, I mean, like, I left thinking to myself, 
well, if that is the hint as to what we are potentially going to get in Justice League 2 whenever that eventually happens, I am all in for Justice League Part 2, or I mean Justice League 2 or whatever they want to call it. That is something I can't wait for. Um, so, I mean, I thought it was awesome. What did you guys think? Oh, I mean, I give this second uh, post credit scene, I give it pretty much a 10 out of 10, and I want to kind of unpick it. Because when it started, and clearly, you know, Luther, they're walking up to Luther. This is the way my brain was working, and I'm so glad they didn't go down this route. When they tapped him on the shoulder and he turned around and it was the old bald guy, my mind immediately went to, like, that's a classic Luther from, like, you know, the comics, like the 70s and 60s and stuff. He was an older, balder guy, as, you know, and I thought, Wow, have they? Has Luther actually been recast through some sort of? I, I in my head, I was thinking something to do with Darkseid, and I was like, "What are they actually recast Luther to be a fat bald guy?" And I was kind of confused. And then it cut to what was a much better scene, and you know, like it made more sense story wise. And I love that reveal. Suddenly, I saw Luther was there, and I'm like, "Oh, sweet, cool, okay." So Jesse Eisenberg's Luther. He was toning his act down, thankfully, from the first uh, movie. And then when Deathstroke came on and took his helmet off, I honestly, and I'm not the world's biggest Deathstroke fan, but I was like, man, this is great. I, I really thought the look of Deathstroke was fantastic. Um, and this comes from someone, I, I know a little bit about Deathstroke from here and there, what I've read, but it, I thought it was fantastic. And Dustin, I don't kind of 100% know the difference between the Injustice gang and the Legion of Doom. Um, but I'm down it's for just, this. It, honestly, yeah. it's just the roster of characters. I mean, the, the Legion of Doom was always – you. the Legion of Doom was always – picture like the, the Super Friends where you have the, the, the lineup of the Just League, but then every member of the Just League has a villain. So like Superman has Lex Luthor. Aquaman yeah. has Black Manta. You have, you know, I, the Legion Cheetah, of Doom, I think, back then. Yeah, yeah, Cheetah for Wonder Woman. So I mean, like everybody has their villain. And then – Injustice League was just honestly Injustice League in my opinion is a group of villains that's more based around intellect and not about the superpowers. The main roster included a variety of characters but the majority of them were all the vast majority of them were all non superpowered beings. Like there's a lot of Batman villains in the Injustice League. There was a lot of there was Black Manta, there was uh, Lex Luthor, Deathstroke was on the team. So like you could involve the Teen Titans to if you wanted to with Deathstroke. But I mean that's that the big difference between all these teams is just who's on the team. That's really the only difference. Okay. Well, I mean, I just want to say that I think that's I think you've made a really good point because the more I think about it, if if Justice League Two when adventure does come, let's imagine that it comes out. Let's just say within the next three years of Justice League 2, a lot may have happened in that time. You will have had Wonder Woman 2. Uh, you will definitely have had Flashpoint. You definitely will have had Aquaman as a bare minimum. So they could be in a very much more positive position than they are now critically and fan-wise. And people by that moment could be like, Justice League 2, we're ready to roll. And if they go with not a kind of God presence of Darkseid, but instead a Justice League uh, injustice kind of thing, where, as you say, it's more of a human conflict, I think that could really, really work. And let's face it, Snyder won't be directing it. I think it will have a better flavour. I think that's a really good direction for them to go in. And I felt both the post-credit sequences were actually very good. And when he took his helmet off as Deathstroke, in the cinema, I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's cool. It looked like the comic book character. And I'm, I don't always need a character to look the same. But in this, in this moment, when he took that helmet off, I just thought that was one of the best... I thought the people who did the, the makeup and everything had done such a fantastic job with that. I really, I got a real charge out of that scene. 
I agree. I thought that that was one of the best parts. Um, I think that, as as you've said, Dustin, the, the lineup of DC villains is, I think, one of the big strengths of in general. I think they have the absolute best lineup of villains used in anything. I don't think Marvel can compare in the slightest. And I think that if they wanted to go the route of the Injustice Gang or Legion of Doom or whatever they wanted to do for for a sequel, I think that that would really set them apart from anything else that was doing. Um so I was really, really, really happy to see them hint towards that they have that that they have that in mind. Um, I I think I had heard that they had cut both Jesse Eisenberg and uh, Joe Manganiello from the movie, and 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 fair enough, they, they're so, everything else was cut. So I really didn't expect to see them in it, and I I guess I assumed that the second post credit sequence was going to be. I thought it was going to be something involving where we'd see the the ring fly into somebody's finger or something like that. I didn't know what to expect. So and then so when we got the reveal of Luther, I thought, okay, cool, Luther's escaped. That's good enough. That's not bad. But then when we got the reveal of uh, we got the shot of from behind of the boat going up to the yacht, and you can see Deathstroke's uh, mask. That uh, that was one of the uh, happiest moments of the movie for me. I thought it was fantastic. I thought that Eisenberg had, was more Luther in those two minutes than mm. he was in the entire movie. Yeah. He had to agreed, agreed, agreed. Like he was Lex <laughs> Luthor. He was doing. He was. He looked like Lex Luthor. He was doing Lex Luthor things. He was saying Luke Lex things. He was putting in a uh, plan into motion. He was fantastic. And Deathstroke, note perfect. That's exactly what Deathstroke should look like. And uh, I really, really hope that they do something with this now. Yeah. And I think the, the important thing about this is that it would be it would if they did if they did something with the Injustice League or some group of villains that aren't superpower based per se against the Justice League, I think if anything, that would be much more interesting because it would make themselves different than what we're seeing with Marvel. Like you look at Marvel and everything that they've done with the Avengers, you know, going up against a group of villains or like Ultron in, in Avengers two, or eventually we'll see Thanos in Avengers three um, or whatever the heck it was in Avengers one uh, Loki or whatever. Like every single one of those was a, uh, was a humongous threat. I mean, like mm-hmm. Ultron is basically a mechanical god to a degree. You have Thanos, which is a god. You have Loki, which, you know, his aspect of that is part of, you know, is is very god worthy. So, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, to me, going a completely different route, this is exactly what you what you could do. You could, you know, you, you Black Manta will be established within the Aquaman film. We know he's going to appear. It might not be in a huge role. It could just introduce him for future uses, but it is definitely something that they could, you know, he could be part of this. You've got characters from suicide squad that could be brought in. You could connect a lot of films by doing, you know, just a group of villains. And I think it would be a really cool take to see the justice league just being outsmarted to a degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, like sure. Batman has been planning and, and is super smart and doing all this stuff, but like figuring out ways to outsmart Superman and wonder woman who aren't made to be these like great, great intellectual people that would be is different. It's it's something that they're not doing anywhere else right now. And what's important is you have to figure out ways to make yourself different, so you're not being constantly compared to what the other company yeah. is doing. Yeah. So, uh, D- Dustin, have you read um, uh, the Grant Morrison JLA? Because that's my yes. primary. Yeah, yes, it's excellent. It's something like Rock of Ages. I'm not saying I need to do it exactly the same, but that is a great example of what you're talking about. What Grant Morrison did there with the Injustice Gang or whatever they were called, the way that they play with the Justice League in that thing, it has Joker and stuff getting, I I think they're sort of within his brain and everything like that. 
Um, it, it is a fantastic example of how to use Legion of Doom slash Injustice Gang against the Justice League, and it had Luther, you know, the puppeteer sort of thing behind it all. Um, I think I think going in that direction for DC for a movie might be something that audiences would blow audiences away. Yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot of Justice League stories out there, like Tower of, ba- Tower of Babel, to a degree, is also a really oh, yeah. storyline where it works perfectly, where you could introduce a group of villains and they slowly start taking them out, and then it comes to be revealed that it's because mm-hmm. Batman has been, you know, coming up with ways to take out the members of his own team for years. Like, that yeah. would be something cool, and that could be definitely something they could do with, like, Justice League 3 or something like that, where it's not having to focus so much on, like, you could use a, a variety of different villains in either one of those films, and it doesn't make a difference who. You don't have to touch some of the bigger stuff like Dark Side or even Crime Syndicate to a degree. I mean, like, there's so many possibilities of what they could do. There's a lot of really good stories out there that they could do. And But like like Paul said, I think the villains that DC has is what, what makes them so much different than what Marvel has. I mean, when you look at, like, I like, and I have no problem admitting I have been a DC fan since... I was a kid. There's, there's no question that I know way more about the DC universe than I will ever know about Marvel. I just don't have the desire to like start learning everything about Marvel. That's not to say that I haven't watched all of the Marvel movies that I don't watch Marvel TV shows. You know, it's not to say that I'm not, you know, that I just completely, I am strictly DC and I refuse to watch anything else. It's not like I'm a purist by any mean, but at the same point, like, you see what Fox is doing with their their X-Men films and the stuff that they're doing with with their characters, like with Deadpool and what they did with Logan. And yeah. now, you know, the trailer for New Mutants came out and it looks like a straight up horror movie. They're definitely trying different things. And, you know, they're 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 basically trying to see how far they can stretch the superhero genre and make unique things and in some ways it's working really well for them deadpool made a bunch of money logan made a bunch of money you know who's mm-hmm. well, you know see what happens with some of these other ones but like they're 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 doing different things and if you if, if dc can you know kind of take risks and experiment with different ways of telling stories like fox is doing but then tell different stories from what marvel's doing so it's not like they're constantly being compared that's what's most yeah. important for me. I mean, like, I just want I want quality stuff, but I don't want to see necessarily just sort of a reversion of something we've already seen in the past. And I feel like if they did go the dark side route, we would just be getting that. So mm. I'm glad for that. All right. So the last thing I want to talk about is there's a couple of controversies that have spun out of Just League. Um, we're recording this the Sunday after the film came out. Um, it's looking like the report is that the opening weekend for Just League is going to be sitting right around uh, a total of uh, 185 inter- $185 million internationally. Um, out of that money, $51 million is coming from China, which is a huge, huge amount. Um, it actually did make a brand new record in one country of note. Brazil, it was the top movie that it, uh, it's the top opening weekend for any movie ever in Brazil uh, with $14 million. Um, but here in North America, not so much. Uh, for whatever reason, over the course of the weekend, it's projected to have only made about $95 million, which some people may consider, or 96, I'm sorry, $96 million, um, which is uh, about, which some people would classify as not so great. It's definitely not, it, it's the lowest opening of all of the the DC films, it's lower than Wonder Woman, it's lower than Batman vs. Superman and Suicide Squad. I believe it's even lower than Man of Steel. Um, 
although I can't speak for that for for exact sure certainty, but uh, the reality of it is the the question is, you know, we enjoyed the film. The question is, what do you feel? Why do you feel the box office is the way it is? And obviously, the box office could obviously change. It could end up being a little bit higher than what they're they're anticipating, which is what we're going off of. It could also pick up and do very well because outside of the Disney Pixar movie Coco that's coming out Thanksgiving weekend, there's not a whole lot of big releases in general or movies within the same genres, the superhero films um, that will be coming out or releasing between now and when Star Wars comes out in December. So the question is, why do you think the box office has been the way it is? Uh, look, this is something that I find very interesting, and we break the, we break box office down quite a lot on Signal of Doom. I think in terms of the North American market uh, with with DC Warners, the the films, apart from Wonder Woman, have been very divisive critically and amongst the fan base. And Batman Superman opened huge numbers. It had a huge drop off. That's quite common in movies to have a huge drop off, but it had a it had a huge opening weekend. Now, unfortunately, you get to Justice League. Um, some underwhelming trailers, uh, a change of directors, a sense of confusion over the whole project, the constant reassurances it was going to be full of joy. The trailers pretty much symbolise what we'd expect from the movie. Um, it just, unfortunately, in the North American market, it, these IPs don't travel as well as they do internationally at the moment. Partly that's perception. Um, the, the Marvel movies have definitely got the jump on them and they have a lot more synergy um, audiences just relate to them easier, it seems. So Marvel, Marvel have an advantage. They have an advantage. They've segmented the market for like 10 years. Nearly all their movies, you look at all the movies, they've all been box office winners. Some movies with smaller budgets have done very well as well for them. They haven't had a flop. Warners haven't had a flop either, but they haven't, apart from Wonder Woman, they haven't had that universal consensus amongst fans and critics and box office. They haven't had sort of the trifecta, although all the movies have made money. Um there's just a little bit of a stink on them. And I point to, I'll be brutally honest, I think Zack Snyder, I like Zack Snyder's movies like 300, Dawn of the Dead, I enjoyed Watchmen. I haven't really enjoyed his DC vision, and it really is his vision. And they've clearly moved away from that now. They've put out a lot of press releases, uh, Don Nelson and Jeff Johns, about how they've moved away from that vision. I think this is the last remnant of that. And it just hasn't really gelled completely well with audiences. And some of that's down to the movies themselves. Some of that's just perception, which is such a powerful thing when it comes to box office tracking. Um, I've got a feeling that it, like, look, Wonder Woman washed a bit of bad taste out of the audience's mouth. This hasn't been a failure, but it hasn't been what they would have been hoping for. This has kind of been somewhere in between. Um, Whedon's come in. He's had to do a bit of damage repair on something that had some serious flaws. Let's hope that uh, James Wan's Aquaman is actually a good movie and makes money. That will help. Wonder Woman 2 will help. We could be in a very different position with DC Warners in like the next two years. So box office tracking comes down a lot to perception. And as soon as you have a bad stink on a movie like this does have, it does affect the box office. Um, It's just a reality of life, especially in the North American market. Outside, internationally, the IPs travel better. Um, That's quite common in movies now. You look at Mummy. Mummy's a terrible movie. It did very poorly in the US, but it did very well internationally, ended up generating a profit. Um, And that's quite common for a lot of these movies. The Transformers movies travel better overseas. Pirates travels travels better overseas. Warners just need to make a few more good movies that that do the trifecta of good box office, good audience reaction, and decent critical. Because if you look at Metacritic, like 
an action movie like Just League that ends in the seventies is a huge success critically. This this is like forties, which is where it's going to land. So yeah, they need they need to make better movies, uh, and then the US uh, audience, which is, seems to be very very critical and, and sort of eating itself a little bit, it's becoming less and less of an important player in overall box office just due to the Chinese market mainly. So yeah, I mean there's there's hope for Warner's. This isn't a flop. But it, it won't be the financial success they were hoping for. It won't crack a billion dollars. It'll be lucky to surpass Wonder Woman, which had great word of mouth. Um, it'll land somewhere, if I have to guess, I think it'll land somewhere around $700 million, somewhere around there um, overall, which is not what they'd be hoping for. That's that's my analysis. I think this movie was always going to be a bit of an old battle. I think that Zack Snyder, I think it's clear that his take on things is not what the mainstream audience wants. Um his vision was a very, very specific take on Superman and on, on Batman, and it caused a lot of extreme reactions on both sides of, of the argument. Some people wanted to kill everything he did with fire, and some people thought it was brilliant and never want to see anything else other than his take on things. And then you have a, this movie, which is the culmination of everything that he was trying to do. So you've got one side of the, of the fans who didn't enjoy the first couple of movies, and... Then when he leaves for various reasons and another director slash writer is brought in to change things, soften things, um, and bring in the finished product that they had, um, the extreme Snyder fans are going to have the same reaction where they're like, hey, wait a second, you're changing what we wanted. Kill it with fire. So I think that that coupled with critics which didn't love the movie. Um, I think that this was always going to be an uphill battle. I think a lot of people have stayed away and are waiting to see what the word of mouth is before they actually go and see this movie. And so I think that I think that it's I think that it's starting to come out that you know what this is not this is not the same product as Batman versus Superman. It's not as divisive that sort of thing. So I wouldn't be surprised if next weekend that we don't see nearly the drop off that we did for something like Batman versus Superman, where you see people who are actually willing to go on out and give this movie a chance. So, and long term, like this this movie will turn a profit eventually. It's it's a shame that it didn't do better, um, but I don't think we can be surprised that not as many people ran out to go see it on opening weekend as as you one might I'd otherwise expect. Because I just think that there was too much negativity, too much controversy for all these movies going back to Man of Steel, and I think that. Now that Zack Snyder is done, um, love him or hate him, um, I think that that's better for the properties going forward because um, I think that it removes a lot of the debate if he's not involved going forward on, on everything that they're trying to do. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah. I'm no expert. I can't tell. Yeah, sorry. I actually I, – my mic was muted and I started talking and forgot that it was muted <laughs> until you said that. That's all I got. Um, no, so – this is what I will say. I definitely agree that the North American market is not becoming as 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 uh, important when it comes to the overall box office take as a lot of other countries, specifically China, is becoming a huge, huge place for uh, movies to make a ton of money. Uh, there, in some cases, a movie can basically be made or broken by whether or not it does well in China, and people aren't worrying about necessarily whether or not a movie is doing super well here in the states. As proof is to all these other movies that have come out this summer, specifically, like you said, David, with the um, the Mummy and Transformers and um, the Pirates movies. Those movies, none of them did super well here in the states, but they all made plenty of money overseas to still become profitable films. Um, that being said. I 
I honestly feel like this is probably going to end up somewhere in the 650, 600 to 650 dollar or million dollar range when it's all said and done, which I mean, that's going to put it lower than basically every DC film other than Man of Steel. But I honestly think that that's what's going to happen. And, and part of it has to do with I just don't see it making $400 million here in the States. I just don't. There's not enough time between this release and Star Wars coming out for it to make a ton of money before Star Wars comes out. I mean, once Star Wars comes out, I mean, it's done. There's, It's not going to be making a ton of movie, a ton of money while Star Wars is out. It's just not. I honestly don't believe that this movie will be in theaters past the beginning of January either. It's just, it's never going to happen. Um, or even before the end of December, depending on how many screens Star Wars takes over. So, um, and of course, they're going to lose the IMAX screens. They're going to lose uh, a lot of the digital screens uh, with 3D and things like that. So, I just don't see it making as much money as as uh, as as they're probably hoping for. But I definitely agree that this is. I I honestly think that Warner Brothers expected this to happen. Um, it didn't feel as if the marketing for the film was as heavy as it potentially could have been. Don't get me wrong. I've seen a million Justice League commercials all over the place. I was trying to stay away from as many TV spots and things like that and clips before the film because there's been a tendency in the past to show too much of the film just in TV spots and and in the clips that they release on like the, the press circuit and things like that. Um, I was trying to stay away from that stuff, but I still saw plenty of commercials. So it's not that they didn't advertise or didn't market the film, but I honestly feel like they probably could have done a ton more if they wanted to. Um, they just didn't because they were expecting the film not to make, not to be as profitable as, as something like Wonder Woman was. Um, because they have no, they, they completely understand that this is, I'm going to phrase it as this is a transitional film. This is a film where you go from one direction to the new direction that the, 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 the production company is going towards. DC Films is going in a new direction going forward. Um, Wonder Woman, to a degree, was the beginning of that new direction. And it just happened to release before this movie. Um, but with Zack Snyder out, for better or for worse, depending on your perspective, that that's they're moving in a completely new direction. And I also believe that part of the problem was that this and this is going to dive into our second controversy that I want to talk about. But it goes mm-hmm. the, the second controversy out there that that's making its rounds on the internet is that there is a lot of hardcore Zack Snyder fans out there who are <laughs> who are they are being extremely vocal about their 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 uh, thoughts on the film and saying that this movie is an utter piece of junk because Joss Whedon was brought on and Joss Whedon did a horrible job and they're super upset that we are never going to see the final version, final vision of what Zack Snyder intended the film to be and they're super upset. And I'm not going to, you know, name, you know, point in any specific direction, but there are some sites out there who have clearly been Zack Snyder fans from the very beginning, who have also gone out there and they're egging some of these stories on by showing things like Joss Whedon saying that he, you know, he liked some tweet the opening day of the movie saying that the movie was bad and that the villain was a horrible villain. There's sites out there who are talking about how Danny Elfman uh, is super pissed about Hans Zimmer being involved with the Dark Knight trilogy and that he's super pissed that his his uh, his score for Batman got changed and was never used for the Dark Knight trilogy. And and there's people out there who believe that 
there should be a specific ultimate edition of this movie released by Zack Snyder with his cut, his edits, and the original uh, score slash soundtrack that was supposed to be come up with by Junkie XL, who is the uh, co-composer on uh, uh, Batman vs Superman with Hans Zimmer. And, He's an Aussie too. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, like, there's, there's, there's a lot of people. Like, I, I've been seeing so much of this stuff, and it just comes down to like, I just don't believe for a moment that long term we could have just put everything on the shoulders of Zack mm-hmm. Snyder. And I'm not yeah. saying like I have no problem saying that like I didn't like his direction with some of these other films, but the one thing that I did enjoy was I did it. I actually did like Watchmen. His take on Watchmen, I really enjoyed it. Mm. I mean, I didn't like the fact that he changed the ending of of it from the original comic. I would have preferred the original ending over what we what he gave us, but I still enjoyed what he gave us, like his his like unique style that he he does with the slow mo and the music and all of that stuff. It worked perfectly for Watchmen. When it comes to a character like Batman and you have this desire to focus on a very specific version of Batman, such as The Dark Knight Returns, you're hindering the character. I mean, I was talking with my wife about the about Batman's character. And like, if you're starting this story of the DC universe, why would you immediately want to have your Batman as old as Bruce Wayne and make him look as old by giving him gray hair and that stuff? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you're, you're basically starting out at a point where like he can only go so far. You cannot sit there and say, we're going to make movies for 10 years and we want Batman to be in his fifties by the time we're done with these films. Like <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. And I'm not saying Ben Affleck did a bad job. I, I like Ben Affleck's take on Batman. It's just, it's one of those things where Ben Affleck maybe would could have been a better person if he was 10 years younger where he yeah. wasn't as old or they weren't making him look as old as he was. And we know that Zack Snyder was going the Dark Knight's Returns route because he used a quote from the book when he announced the film in general. And clearly there's there's elements from the, the comic that were t- put into the film. But it's one of those things where I'm not going to sit here and say that Joss Whedon made the movie a better movie because I don't really until unless we actually know what he did and what he didn't do. Um, there's no way of knowing. I mean, there's no way of knowing other than we know the direction that Zack Snyder was, you know, his intent was to go just League part one, just League part two, Steppenwolf, dark side. That's what he was initially intending to do. They're not going that route. He's out. And the thing is, to a degree, there's also this other part of the controversy, which is, you know, was he kicked out or was he just was he just asked politely to, to leave? And I honestly and I, and I don't say this lightly, but the entire situation that happened his, in his personal life with his daughter, I, I honestly believe that might have been used as a reason to push him out by Warner Brothers, because as much as I, I fully believe that anybody who has family who dies needs to have time to mourn, he has he since he left the film and it was announced that he was leaving the film. Ever since he he left, he has been active on social media, talking to fans and things like that. And he even produced a short film that released on a social media site since then, before Justly came out. The fact that he was not involved at all in the promotional aspects of the film but yet he was his name is the sole director on the film leads me to believe that he was pushed out and they they they, they did not leave on on good terms let's just leave it at that um but i'm i'm pretty sure he was he was 
pushed out and they had no desire to keep him around whatsoever. And he was upset by that. Um, they could have tried to save face by using the situation with his family that in some ways kind of messed up, but maybe that was Zack Snyder's decision in, in using that. Um, but it comes down to this, okay? You can like Zack Snyder's take on what he did. You cannot like it. But the reality of it is, I don't know that you should ever put all of your eggs in one basket when it comes to mm. a movie franchise. And with Zack Snyder, it felt as if he had Warner Brothers initially gave him way too many eggs in his basket um, initially and and said, you could do whatever you want with these characters. Just We just want you to make a boatload of money. And eventually it got to the point where Batman vs. Superman came out and the movie got trashed and it didn't make a billion dollars. Like they probably should have based off of the characters that were in it. And then they realized, wait, we got to step back here and they let him keep going with just league. But it got to a point where they realized they might've just decided to let him go a little too far. So I don't think that any director should have as much control. I mean, like there's no, there's nothing saying a producer, but directors should not be the people who are the ones who have the control on a franchise. It just shouldn't be that way, regardless of whether it's Zack Snyder or anybody else out there. I just don't feel like that's the way it should be. Well, firstly, Dustin, let me congratulate you on uh, what I feel should be a career in politics after that stump speech. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you yeah, that was quite the monologue, and I, I very much I think you got a stack of great content in there. Now, this is something I actually find quite interesting. Look, I don't, um, I haven't like done the internet searches to know that debate's raging, but the fact that it's raging is of absolutely no surprise. Um, I think the thing with Snyder is very talented filmmaker. He definitely had a vision. He, he's always struck me, and this, this just stick with me for this analogy. He struck me as the guy who read Dark Knight Returns, loved it, and I loved it too when I first read it, but then didn't read an awful lot after that. So that's his vision of Batman. That's his vision of the world. It's a very dark, you know, Frank Miller did a very dark take at the time, and it just strikes me that he's that guy. He's that director who's read that. That's kind of his Bible for the characters. Which he, And when I first heard it pitched, I was like, man, this is going to be epic. But when it eventually came to the reality of his vision, and he did a great job, I thought, with Watchmen. I mean, yes, it had some flaws, but at least he did He did a very sterile adaptation that was very note-by-note. Note. I thought it worked quite well. He did 300. Um, he did Dawn of the Dead. He made some good movies. Um, but when it came to Batman vs Superman, that's a fundamentally pretty flawed movie, and particularly the cinema cut. And when it came out, despite the money it made at the front end and it ended up making whatever it made, like I forget the exact figure, but it's somewhere, is it somewhere just shy of 800 million? Now, the point was when that came out, Warners were like, oh my God, this isn't what we were hoping for in terms of like an audience reaction or a box office. And he was already shooting Justice League. And you're 100% right. Zack Snyder had way too much influence with his particular brand of vision on forming a world. He wasn't the right man to universe build for um, the DC slate. He just wasn't the right guy. To do a movie, sure, but he was charged with actually building it. I mean, he made, he made Man of Steel, which for me still, I know some people love it. I found it one of the most boring movies of all time. And I know the internet went crazy. Mark Wade ran out of a cinema because he broke Superman's neck. For me, that wasn't even the biggest problem. I just found it was a dull movie. And Batman versus Superman's not dull, but it's flawed. And unfortunately for the studio, he was already shooting Justice League. So he his hand, his fingerprints are all over it. I think the end result of this movie, 
Unfortunately for those guys, the Snyder fans, I think this is far more of Zack Snyder's movie than people were thinking it would be. I thought Joss Whedon would have a much more conscious influence in this. He'd probably mash out some scenes, added some character moments. That's his talent. Um, but I didn't feel that this movie screamed out Joss Whedon. I mean, yeah, we could, you can say the obvious things like maybe some of the flash lines, some of the stuff of the Wonder Woman Batman, I would say, is probably his work. But he's very much around the edges. This is a Zack Snyder vehicle, and it's a kind of unformed vehicle as well. Uh, Snyder walking away from the franchise, yes, there was the tragedy with his family. Yes, he was probably slightly politically pushed out as well because they were giving him so many notes. But when you look at the final movie, the lean to our runtime, it's a Zack Snyder movie, really, and it's a kind of unformed one as well. Uh, the Zack Snyder fanboys are going to have to get over it. He's going to have a long career directing. His career's by no means over. He's a moneymaker for Warner's. He's already, he, I think he's still signed to do more movies with them now. So I think that this was just a marriage that had to end. They couldn't go any further with his vision. They're turning it over to various other directors, doing all the solo properties. Once they get their eggs all together in a basket, they will do another Just League movie at some point. The Snyder, probably hiring Snyder and giving him, as you said, an older Batman to begin with was a, probably a mistake because as soon as you put the grey hair in a, in a villain, or sorry, not a villain, in a hero like Batman, you're kind of predicting their demise. Batman shouldn't have grey hair in the mainstream universe for too long. That's a real problem. Um, there is lots of problems with the way Zack Snyder um, has built the DC universe, in my opinion. Um, but that's who Warner's hired and that's who they got. It's no surprise that was his vision. That's the way he makes his movies. He has a darker sort of palette, uh, very action-based. That's just how he makes his movies, and you would think they would know that. But then his strength is not story. I'm not a particular fan of David Goya writing all the movies with Chris Terrio. I think they've turned out a lot of stinkers. I think they need to turn it over to... Uh, fresh writing teams. I've often said, I said on The Signal recently, and I was having a conversation with a, with a couple of guys from other podcasts, they probably need to get a good Batman writer to do a treatment for Batman and then punch in, you know, punch it into a movie script, something like that. Uh, but, yeah, Snyder's always struck me as the guy who read Dark Knight Returns and thought this is this is the DC universe. And, of course, it's not. It's just one particular take. So that's, that's kind of my comments on it. Well, I think you've both said... Almost everything, though. I'll try to come up with. Uh, I I agree. I think read The Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen. Those those were the two big books in the eighties. Was in college. He just kind of. I think that that is his. His world is very much informed by that. And I his stuff. He he very much like I said before. He's got a very specific take on how he wants the DC universe to be. And I think that while I don't think I blame everything on him or anybody else. Movies. So many people work on them. I think that when Batman first came out and it turned out to not the the hit that they wanted it to be and it, all the controversy that it caused. Um, if memory serves me, I, I think they were not including Justice League yet, but they were getting really, really close. I think that they should have ate the money, took a step back and really looked at what they were doing instead of trying to correct on the fly. And I, I think that was the problem with what they ended up doing. I think that if they had taken a step back and maybe even replaced the director right there and then, I think we might have a better product than we do now. Um, it's hard to know where... Zack Snyder ends and uh, Joss Whedon starts. And I mean, I think we can guess about some of the changes made. I personally think that almost everything that we see Superman in the movie is probably Joss Whedon. I think that there's a lot of just the tone of it all. I think is very much and the things that other things that Joss Whedon has written. Um, and I kind of wonder what the original way, I wonder if it was, if the, the original way that, that Superman was brought back was something completely different. I mean, it's, there were shots that were leaked out of, of Superman wearing the black suit that uh, I think Henry Cavill even shot something on his Instagram about that at one point. Um, so Correct. I wonder 
I, I wonder if there was a completely different plot concerning how Superman came back. And I wonder if most of the stuff that was shot was was that. But at the end of the day, I think we're all guessing at this point. I think over the next you know months and however however long, I think it'll come out exactly what was shot then and what was shot earlier. But it's it's really hard to know at this point. But I think the the big issue is that when they realized it wasn't working, they should have kind of stepped back and tried to make it really try to come up with something different and figure out what the problems were and fix them at the start, as opposed to starting to shoot a movie and kind of fix everything on the fly. Because what do you expect to happen as a result of that? Yeah, and I I think the biggest problem with what they did was Batman versus Superman, like. There, these let's not let's not put any like uh, you know blinders on this. We know that these movies cost millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars to make. But and we know that Batman vs Superman came out to the end of March and like it was like the middle of April is when they started filming Justice League, and yeah. it was just a couple weeks after you saw how much money it was making. We saw the giant drop that it had after the first weekend. We saw the critic reviews. We saw people bashing it. Even on the last couple of weeks of the the press tours that the, the you know the, the actors were on, we saw Ben Affleck completely get deflated <laughs> by the you know by what he what, what the critics were saying and things like that. That was you know sad Affleck. The meme was yeah, I loved came it. out from that. <laughs> I mean, but the reality of it was like they knew that there was something wrong. Instead of going straight into production of Justice League and just saying we're going to just keep going with what we're planning, they should have just stopped then and there, knowing that they weren't even going to release the film for another year and a half. They should have taken some more time to maybe come over with a different version of the film. So that way, it, you know, like, like, like you both said, and like I said earlier, we have no idea what Joss Whedon did and what he didn't do. And I agree that this is, this was probably like 85% of what Snyder intended the film to be. There is probably bits and pieces that were changed and things like that. I'm sure the black suit Superman, something got something happened with that. A lot of the Superman stuff that ended up being in the, in the, the final part of the film probably was changed, but I would say the vast majority of this movie is exactly the way Snyder intended for it. Because looking at this film, it does feel like a setup for, some other film as he originally intended with Justice League Part 2. So I would say that if that was entirely the case, I I I just there's there's no way of knowing what was what. And I and honestly, Zack Snyder's not going to go out there and publicly say right now when the movie's out in theaters that this is what happened. It's going to be some expose interview that he gives way after the fact. I just checked his IMDb as we were sitting there, and he already has a movie that's in pre-production that is not linked to Warner Brothers that he's directing um, that probably will be coming out either sometime next year or the year after. Seems like a much smaller film. The description has something to do with um, – it's called The Last Photograph, and it has something to do with two people finding a photograph and traveling to worn torn Afghanistan. So it probably is a much lower budget, similar to the way we've seen Michael Bay go from making transformer movies and be completely ripped apart to making smaller movies like the lone survivor and things like that, uh, or not lone survivor. I don't know why I said that secrets, uh, secrets of Benghazi or whatever that movie was called. Was um, it 13 hours. Is that yeah, 13 hours? Yes. That's, that's what it was. I'm thinking I was confusing myself with Peter Berg, who also did the exact same thing where he was making movies and he battleship was horrible. And then all of a sudden he went to making smaller films <laughs> like lone survivor. Battleship was one of the worst movies of all time. Yeah. 
So that being said, maybe he's just going to go down that route of he's going to start. He's going to try to get back to you know the the basics of filmmaking and get back to you know less CGI films and less big blockbuster, massive budget films, and just get back to just making good films. And 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 good for him. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and fault the guy for wanting to do something different after he's been doing all of these movies like 300, Watchmen, Man of Steel. Like he's done a lot of movies over the years that are massive movies. I mean, and if the critics oh, yeah. keep hammering him, he's, you know, makes no sense to keep doing what he's been doing. It makes sense to try to reinvent yourself. It's not like he's a, he's an old guy who's, you know, doesn't have a ton of years left to make movies. So um, that all being said, um, the, the, the final thing I just want to talk about is, you know, we, well, I said final thing for the controversies, but I don't want to end on like a bad note with the, all this negative talk about the controversies. So the last thing I just want to, dive into is you know we know that aquaman's coming up we know that there's a flashpoint movie we know that there's they they hinted at comic-con there's just dark a batgirl film what are you excited about that's coming from dc films we know we're not going to see another dc film in live action form until next christmas or next winter ish time uh with aquaman but what are you most excited about seeing that they've announced or that there's been hinted at or rumored about what are you looking forward to based off of what we've seen so far and the direction we're going? Okay. Great question, Dustin. Um, look, I'm actually really excited for the future of DC Warners. Um, okay. So look, I am looking forward to Aquaman just for me. It's I, I'm not an Aquaman fan, you know, but you know what? I like Jason Momoa. I, James Wan looks like a really good director. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for that movie just going in, no expectations, like thrill me, you know, do some world building, like introduce me to the world of Aquaman. I, I really am looking forward to that. I think that could be a really big piece of the puzzle uh, for Warners. But a movie I'm looking so forward to is Wonder Woman 2. I, I am a huge Wonder Woman fan um, from the comics, like Greg Rucker's run and other runs ha- have I've really, really enjoyed Wonder Woman and Justice League, I think, is so cool. So I'm looking so forward to Wonder Woman 2. I think it's a 2019 release. Um, hey, look, I know it gets abused, but I enjoyed bits of Suicide Squad, particularly the um, lead actress in Australia, uh, Margot Robbie, as Harley, and obviously Will Smith as Deadshot. So I'm looking forward to what happens there. Um, the, the, the potential for Warners is so confusingly good and yet the, the problem is they've released so many films on their slate, like they're making a Shazam movie. I'm not a huge Shazam fan, but I kind of dig him. So I'm excited to see what that is. We, we've heard The Rock talk about how he wants to do Black Adam. You know, that excites me. Like they've got so many good characters. Like I honestly think DC have a really, really deep, big character list. Their problem has been their execution. I think now that they've pushed Snyder out of the way and they're going to focus with directors, like, for example, Whedon's doing Batgirl. Now, that sounds great. I don't know when it's coming, though. That's the part of the problem. It's hard to be too excited for something that's like three or four years away. But in stuff in stuff that's coming up, like directly that we can see, the, there's the Flashpoint movie. I'm very, very excited to see what they do there because I think it's going to be huge for the whole universe building. Aquaman excites me. And Wonder Woman 2 is something which I genuinely would love to see. And I hope they do do the 80s movie that was rumoured just because I think it sounds cool. And um, I really like the Gal Gadot walk back that thing about how she was saying the Wonder Woman didn't leave the world for 100 years, um, which makes me think that she'll have some scenes um, in the 80s and stuff like that or 90s, wherever they said it. So overall, I'm really positive. Like in the far distant future, say next three or four years, I'm looking forward to another Justice League movie. And that's not even mentioning the Batman um, trilogy. That's probably, we're on the Batman universe. I'm a massive Batman fan. 
whatever they do, like let's not forget there's rumours that Jay Gyllenhaal is going to come in, which would make sense um, to play, you know, Bruce Wayne, Batman, maybe spitting out a Flashpoint. So all the things I mentioned I'm excited by, when I when I dial into it, the Flashpoint movie, Wonder Woman 2 and the Matt Reeves trilogy are probably on top of my list. And then next year we've only got one thing. And I personally think it's a mistake from Warners to only put out one movie next year, but they, they are, and that's Aquaman. Now, Aquaman better be good for the studio because they need it. And I, and I think it's a mistake. I think they should have more than one movie on their schedule, especially when they announce all this stuff. Well, why hasn't that sort of... You know, why, why isn't that sort of been put into production? And something that frustrates me is I saw a report recently they don't even have a plan yet for Man of Steel 2 or Superman, whatever you want to call it. it. I find it curious that they haven't developed a plan for where to take Superman because he's a huge linchpin. I mean, you could potentially make Superman movies that make massive money as well. So, and you could have, you know, do things like, my, my thoughts are something like Wonder Woman, I would actually bring in like a little segue from Batman or something, not to steal the movie, but... I would do a bit of universe building in the solo movies too. You don't need to have the whole Justice League turn up. You can have little team-ups inside the movies. So, yeah, I'm excited for a whole stack of stuff, really. But it's how it translates is is kind of where we'll see, you know? The big thing that I'm excited about would have to be Matt Reeves' Batman movies, whatever he's got booking up. Uh, I think the writing's on the wall. I don't think Ben Affleck coming back is Batman. I, I think that we're going to be getting Jake Gyllenhaal or somebody else. We're going to be getting a new actor. Um, I just hope that they don't... They don't address anything. They don't try to work up a story reason why he looks different. Just it's uh, it's Batman. It's a different actor playing it. We've seen that happen tons of times now in this franchise and other franchises. Recasting happens. So just I'd say at this point, just if he's if he's not coming back, then just recast him and move on. Uh, I like the rumors I've heard about it being a more uh, more of a crime story or a detective story, and I'm really excited to see what. Uh, what they are planning with that because uh, Matt Reeves's stuff uh, that I've seen the, the, uh, the, the apes movies that I've seen, uh, he's a great director. Um, so I'm really curious to see, I figure we're not going to get any kind of an announcement on that, uh, on those movies for a bit. Um, but uh, I, I'm really curious to see what's going on. It's definitely what I'm looking forward to the most. Um, I'm also looking forward to uh, Nightwings in, in uh, development, Batgirls in development. Um, and really, after that end scene in uh, Justice League, I'm really, really excited for them to do something with the Injustice Gang. Like that last scene in Justice League, do that, do that now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would, I would definitely agree uh, with a lot of what you guys said. Uh, I'm most excited about probably the Matt Reeves thing. Um, it, if you listen to the comic cast, you know that uh, I have been loving the the Planet of the Apes films. Um, and it just so happens that the last two Planet of the Apes films were both filmed by Matt Reeves. He was the director. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and trust me when I say War for the Planet of the Apes was, um, I honestly would say was my favorite movie of this of 2017, um, hands mm-hmm. down. Um, that's me personally, but I, I'm really, and that was, and, and I went in that movie thinking, man, I really hope this is good. I really enjoyed Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, but I was really just walking into it, hoping that it was going to be amazing. And it did not disappoint me whatsoever. Um, but anyway, I'm looking forward to that. I, I, I also agree that, uh, that Ben Affleck will most likely not be in Matt Reeves trilogy. I'm sure Ben Affleck would love to do it, but the reality of it is he's getting up there in age. If Matt Reeves is planning on doing a trilogy, that's going to take at least, you know, nine to 12 years to put together. Um, and I don't think Ben Affleck is going to be wanting to be pushing, you know, his mid fifties or upper fifties and be looking at still doing Batman films. I just don't see it happening. Um, I, I disagree with the idea that there is not going to be a story element that's going to explain how he 
gets de-aged, I honestly feel they're going to use Flashpoint as the way to de-age Batman just so that he's in the same age range as Superman so that he's not so much older. Um, and I doubt we will see and I, I have no problem saying I doubt we will see any Batman, Batgirl, Nightwing, any of those films until after Flashpoint happens specifically because Flashpoint's going to be used to explain a bunch of different things. I could see Flashpoint being used to explain the retcon of Wonder Woman to a degree, depending on how when Flashpoint ends up actually releasing. Um, Does it have a release date, Dustin? Do we have a release date on Flashpoint yet? No, we do not. Um, initially, Flash was the other movie that was supposed to come out in 2018. It was supposed to be Flash sometime in the spring. Aquaman was in the winter. That's the way it originally was planned. And then Flash lost its director twice. And then I think it was the last time it happened was because they were going in a direction. I think it clashed with what the studio wanted. And then they decided they were going to go in a completely different direction because of trying to, and I I truly believe that Flashpoint is going to be the explanation of as a lot of things that Snyder did to be undone. I I, I have no, it's very clever. And I've seen a lot of people say, no, Flashpoint's not going to do that. It's not going to, it's not going to change things. They're just going to recast Batman. I don't agree with that. I I honestly believe that Flashpoint, there's no reason to do Flashpoint unless it's going to change or retcon things. There's no reason to. You don't come I 100% out of Flash- agree with you, Dustin. I, yeah, I you think they're going to, yeah. You don't come out of Flashpoint as a basic crisis level event in the comics and decide yeah. we're not going to change stuff. There's just no way you do it. So the best thing to do is to easily explain the de-aging of Batman, then the introduction of all of his his other characters yeah. that we know that there's films being made like Nightwing and, and Batgirl, which both have films in production, you know, that they're, they're, that they're in production right now or not in production. Uh, uh, they're being they're they're in the they're in the early stages of being created. Let's just put it that way. Um, yeah, pre production. Yeah, um, pre production. I think you're I think you're one thousand percent right. Like Jeff Johns just the other day was reported to make a comment that Flashpoint will deal with the Batman side of things. You know, yeah. I mean, and you're also- how more how more how more simple does he have to spell it out for people? Like it's it makes sense. You know, yeah. And there's and you don't tell the Flashpoint story without dealing with that Bruce Wayne Thomas Wayne aspect. You just don't. So the best thing to yeah. do is to have Ben Affleck have his third film as part of the Flashpoint story, and then yeah. you just go from there, and then Ben Affleck gets de-aged. Jake Gyllenhaal, I could easily say he could pass as a 10-year younger version of Ben Affleck if they wanted to go that yeah. route. It's not yeah. like – like the writing's there. It's just – it's it's like people don't want to connect it because they think it's too far-fetched, and I don't think it's out. It's too far out there. I mean – Oh, I think it's quite likely to happen just like what you're saying. I yeah, and I think if they de-age him and they decide then to recast at some other point, I guarantee you whatever actor they get is going to be signed on for all three of Matt Reeves' films and is going to be mm-hmm. Batman for all of those films and potentially future films. I'm sure they'll have bigger contracts. I mean, the big thing is when you look at who they've cast as Wonder Woman – Superman, Flash, Cyborg. These are yeah. not humongous names. Sure, Henry no. Cavell is getting bigger roles and things like that. Wonder Woman's got more roles. But when they were initially cast, these were not big-name mm. actors. Even Ray no. Fisher and Ezra, Fla- uh, Ezra Miller and uh, Jason Momoa, none of them are, like, huge names. So They're not I-listers. Exactly. So that. they can easily be signed on for, like, you know, humongous contracts to be doing these films for a very long period of time. Ben Affleck is the odd man out. He was, yes. it feels as if he was brought in to basically put a selling point on the movie that otherwise would have a bunch of earlier, not as big name actors. 
So the best thing to do is, you know, if Ben Affleck is the odd man out, why not bring somebody in who, you know, is not necessarily as popular as him, who they could get to sign a contract for 10 years or whatever, however, however they want to work that. That makes more sense to me. Um, but outside of that, I'd love to see the Injustice League come to fruition, however that may be. Um, I'm super looking forward to um, basically all these movies that they keep, you know, that are out there that just keep like that are like it's amazing because I remember at San Diego Comic Con, Jeff Johns said this. He made some comment in an interview that said, "Yeah, well, the Batman universe is central to the entire DC universe, so why wouldn't we want to expand?" the movies that we're producing with the characters from the Batman universe. And that includes Joss Whedon's Batgirl, Chris McKay's Nightwing. Uh, David Ayer is going to be doing Gotham City Sirens. Uh, yeah. Matt Reeves' Batman trilogy. I mean, I'm super looking forward to so many Batman universe projects. That's what super excites me. But on top of that, um, outside of the Batman stuff, like Flashpoint's going to be great because I, I definitely see the direction they're going with it. Um, Aquaman, when they showed footage at Comic-Con and it was described online as a space odyssey underwater. I was like, that's a pretty cool description that I don't think I would have ever thought of using to describe something. And the fact that uh, James Wan has been uh, talking on Twitter about how he wanted to be very practical. He needed to figure out exactly how to do things underwater, film things underwater. I, I, I'm really excited to see what ends up coming out of that. Um, definitely Wonder Woman 2. Shazam to a degree, because I think it's going to be a different take. Um, it's not. It's definitely going to be a version of the DC universe. It's going to be lighter in tone, based off of who they've got as the director, the cast that they've already announced. It's definitely going to be a lighter film. Um, but in general, like there's so much stuff out there that that they could do, and that's what excites me uh, probably the most is that there's the potential is 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 insane. Like when you look at the Marvel universe and you see what they've been doing over the last. 10 years they've been doing a great job and they've been doing great and they they're, they're they've recently figured out ways to expand outside of the core members of the avengers and things like that and they're doing more and i just think to myself if, if warner brothers can get to the success that marvel has had to where they're producing you know two three films a year and they're good films and they're different takes on the characters uh different and I, let me rephrase that when i say different takes i mean like different tones and genre, like themes and and genre takes on some of these characters that would be really cool i would love to see that happen i mean the ultimate the, the ultimate thing is i'm a dc fan i want to see as many dc films as i can without it yeah. being it without it just being the same old same old every single time i go see a film and with the direction that they seem to be going with some of the films that are immediately on the uh, horizon, it definitely feels like they're that's that's the direction they're taking. So I'm 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 looking for and I've got high hopes. I mean, Justice League might not blow box office numbers, but this is, in my opinion, a transitional film, and we're going to be getting a, a a completely different DC universe going forward. So that's what yeah. I'm looking forward to. That's very well said, Dustin. I, I I very much echo what you're saying there. I think um it, the the one thing I will say is I 100% agree with you, especially on the potential because they've got such a mine of just beautiful characters and stories. I wonder why um there's only one DC movie coming out next year. It would have made a lot of sense to maybe do Flashpoint next year as well, you know, just to get this really cut in motion sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, when when you look at the, I, I think it just comes down to the the slate they had initially like i said initially had flash and that was they were meant to have two and then eventually i think 2019 was the beginning of three per year 
with okay. the addition of Shazam was because originally 2019 was supposed to be Justice League Part 2, Shazam, and um, oh, I can't remember what the other one was. Maybe it was a Batman, and then that, that was moved back because originally, I don't remember, um, Affleck was supposed to be directing and writing. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, it probably was the Batman. And then and then I remember 2020 was supposed to be Green Lantern Corps and Cyborg. Mm-hmm. I remember that distinctly, and that's as far as they went with the initial announcement of the slate. Flash, I think, I honestly think that the whole reason the Flash thing fell apart was they realized last year that they needed to go in a different direction and they needed to reset yeah. stuff. Jeff Johns was brought in with John Berg as overseers of the DC films. And I think when they got brought in, they thought, hey, well, what if we just did Flashpoint? And that was a way to distance ourselves or at least put in a different version of some of these characters to distance ourselves from some of the stuff that hasn't been as successful. So, yeah, I I think it'll be really I think it'll be really telling over the next few months to see what gets announced, what gets greenlit. I think that if Flashpoint um, is going to be used to reset things. I think that we're going to see an announcement really, really, really soon uh, about that. If Matt Reeves' Batman movie and some of the more solo projects, if they get pushed forward, I think that, that I think that's also going to be equally telling because I don't think that they're going to... like. Let's say, for instance, if Affleck doesn't come back, I don't think that they're going to shoot a Batman movie with a new actor and then go back and address anything that that's where you would see a scenario where it's not so much of a reset, they're just... Yeah. All right. Well... I I have to say I definitely didn't think we were going to be talking for this long, but I think it was a great conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it, guys. Thank you. All right. So uh, those of you who are listening from uh, wherever you are listening, I, obviously, if you are listening to this, you have been able to find us. But this podcast released as part of the BatmanUniverse.net. Over on the BatmanUniverse.net, we review comics. And we also report news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and, of course, the comics. We also have a ton of podcasts that we offer on a weekly basis. Some release every other week, some release uh, once a month, but we have tons of podcasts. So be sure to head over to the website, thebatmanuniverse.net, to check out everything that we have to offer. We review all of the comics related to the Batman universe and characters that appear in the Batman universe. Um, we, we, we review those o- over on the site on a weekly basis. So if you are interested in anything related to the Batman universe, be sure to head over to thebatmanuniverse.net. I want to thank David and Paul. Listen to David's uh, podcast, The Signal of Doom. It's out there, and uh, those it both sure of, is. <laughs> yes, and both, both of our uh, both of my my hosts for this episode both uh, review comics over on the site as well. So be sure to check out their work on the site. So with that, that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is David, and this is Paul. You've been listening to the Batman Universe Specials. We'll see you guys next time.